1: Welcome Auburn into the Wednesday edition of Sports Call live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger FM, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LeBoy. I'm the host of this show. Today we've got a fun show planned for you this afternoon. That's coming up in just a second. We're going to be joined by the president of Mid Ohio Sports Car Course, Craig Russ. As uh, we'll be talking to him about the upcoming events at Mid Ohio. Also, we will be uh, talking a little bit later. Uh, about, of course, some commitment news for Auburn. Got a linebacker yesterday on the 4th of July. Also uh, lost a big receiver target. So we'll talk a little bit about that in just a moment. But as mentioned, to start the show today, we are being joined now as we go to the Auburn Bank phone line by Craig Rust, the president of Mid-Ohio Sports Car Course. Craig, how are you two doing today?
2: I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on.
1: Absolutely. There is a lot of stuff going on. Uh, at Mid-Ohio as we continue to expand our NASCAR coverage this year. And, uh, Craig, I guess my first question is, you go from IndyCar uh, this past weekend to uh, Arkham Menard Series and Craftsman Trucks this week. Is there any uh, any big setup difficulties going from uh, a couple of big events like that to more events, or is there any way that you set up the track differently, or is it just kind of go through all the motions?
2: Um, I- A little bit of both. The the biggest thing um, is probably one of the items is to swap over of all the signage. Uh, We have two new sponsors on this event with O'Reilly and Zinsser, you know, so we have to get all their signage up and in place. And then after that, it it really is just, you got to get the facility cleaned up, you know, um, the suite, uh, all the buildings, the media center, the grounds, go back and cut all the grass. So we've been fortunate that the weather's uh, been cooperating um and so we're we're just about there and uh you know get ready for a good weekend
1: as i alluded to a little bit with just going on these two weeks transitioning from indycar to some of the some of the nascar series there's so many different types of vehicles that race at mid ohio it's really impressive i was going through it indycar trucks there's uh, motorcycle races uh obviously open wheel stuff and uh, Arca, ARCA, which is obviously stock cars and stuff this weekend uh, just how, uh, how impressive is it that, that Mid-Ohio is able to have a track that's able to host such a wide array of races?
2: Uh, we're really proud of it and I've, I've spoken about this a lot that um, this track really does lend itself to all forms of racing uh, as you pointed out uh, just you know we have a number of long straightaways um, some tight turns that, you know, make for great passing points. Um, and, and it's it, you know, there's a technical aspect to the track as well. So, you know, your better drivers tend to, you know, make their way up front uh, as you get towards the end of the race. And, you know, on top of that, like most uh, of the traditional road courses around the, the country, I mean, we're sold out every weekend that we don't have a public event for all the car clubs, you know, throughout the country, all the, Porsche, Corvette, BMW, the, um, uh, you know, the Nassas of the world. So, you know, we're busy all year long and, uh, you know, proud that we can accommodate all all the different forms. Uh,
1: What is the uh, the fanship like in mid-Ohio? Because obviously we're we're used to a lot of different, at least in the NASCAR world, a lot of southern tracks and and a lot of tracks around this way. I mean, is there. Uh, a big support for, for NASCAR, or is it mo- mainly the, the IndyCar and the open-wheel and sports car type of stuff? Like, what what is that fan base like in Ohio?
2: Well, uh, you know, we were, I guess, born out of, you know, if the name says it all, Mid-Ohio Sports Car Course. So that's where uh, uh, it got its start. Uh, we just ran, the Honda Indy 200 was the 40th running um, of IndyCar up at that track. Um, you know, so so we're proud of that, but you know, the Midwest, you know, loves loves all forms of racing, and that's our, that's our, where we primarily draw from. Um, so while we're still relatively new to the to the NASCAR world, we you know we have a lot of the fans that you know travel up to Watkins Glen, you know, uh, a lot of those fans that um, like to see stock cars and NASCAR um, on on road courses. You know, we. Uh, you know, we get a lot of those fans coming out. So, um, strong fan base, um, you know, but we're still working on growing it.
1: Talk a little bit about some of the vantage points that fans can have at Mid-Ohio, because I know that, obviously, when we have a traditional oval, you, you have the big grandstands, and you, you kind of see most of or all the track and that sort of thing, but at road courses, it's, it's far different. Talk a little bit about uh, the, the various vantage, vantage points available.
2: Uh, so there's a there's a a few what I would call fan favorites, um, obviously the front stretch right across the pits uh, is very popular um, along the front straightaway. Um, then you know it goes in uh, to a 90 degree left hander and you're going uphill into what we call the keyhole and it's basically almost 180 degree turn um, and there's a big mound uh, at the top of it. So while we don't have a grandstand. It's like a natural amphitheater for the fans to sit on. That's a very popular spot because uh, you can see them come all the way up that front straight. As you go down the back straight away, we did, we actually just replaced um, an old grandstand that has been there for probably too long, uh, but we just put in a brand new grandstand. Um, drivers left coming down the back, and that's a great vantage point to see them come down um, into. Uh, a nine, basically a 90-degree right-hand turn into what we call the Yeses. And if you look at the uh, the shots from the racial seat on drivers, right there, there's a huge uh, uh, area, grass area that is very popular in the Yeses. A lot of action takes place in there. There, it's a high-speed uh, right-hand turn, um, and uh, and you go into the Yeses, and it's not just. They're not flat S's like you would see. Uh, it, they, you know, it's up and then you come back down uh, uh, to a left hand uh, to go back down. So a lot of undulation in there, so great great area, a lot of action in there and, and, and good passing point. And then the probably the last area is in the carousel, which is the last turn. Um, and they can either go into the pits or, you know, take a harder turn right to put you back down on the front straight. Um, that's a really popular uh, area as well.
3: Craig, as Ryan mentioned a moment ago, you got so many different types of racing that comes to May, Ohio, throughout the year. Obviously, we had the IndyCar this past weekend. We've got the, the ARCA and the Truck Series coming there this weekend from NASCAR. Uh, what, what is your favorite racing that comes there? You, you've got to have a favorite type, series that comes by through, and you don't have to say NASCAR just because, you know, they're coming there this weekend.
2: <laughs> um, I, I grew up... Um, a uh, IndyCar fan. Um, so I would, I would lean towards uh, IndyCar. Uh, my years of working for ISC and running Watkins Glen and I uh, started at uh, um, California Speedway, I, I became a very big fan of, of NASCAR. So um, I appreciate them both. Um, and I really, to, to be honest, really love what IMSA has done over the past several years. They've really done a great job growing that series. Um, So I like where that's headed. Uh, So I like all forms, but if I had to pick one, uh, it would be IndyCar.
3: And then talking to the fans out there that have tickets coming there this weekend, what type of events are going on around the track that's not just going to be the racing right there on the track?
2: Um, We've got some autograph sessions set up, uh, which is cool. Uh, Along with the Arkin Menards and uh, O'Reilly 150, uh, we have the USF Juniors. Uh, that are going to be out there. So that's a kind of a uh, uh, ladder series uh, open wheel. Uh, So some of the NASCAR fans that uh, not necessarily would buy an open wheel ticket will get a chance to see that, um, which I think is great. It really, you know, we pack a lot um, into it's only a two-day show. It's a Friday-Saturday event. Um, So there's something going on on the track um, all day. And uh, ARCA doesn't uh, green flag, excuse me, until um, uh, about six o'clock Friday night, so it's a full full day of racing. But we have the displays set out there. We'll have our food vendors and uh, around so people can walk around and just kind of enjoy it. So it's, a, it's a basically a park with a with a racetrack running through it.
1: Talking to Craig Russ today, the president of Mid Ohio Sports Car Course today on Sports Call. And Craig, a couple more for you here uh, with the Arcanum Menard Series and and Truck Series coming. Uh, this week for NASCAR Do you find that there is a, a big difference In how the cars race at the track Or is it more just an open wheel Versus stock car difference What is the kind of the difference uh, Between these various series running at the track
2: um, ARCA and the trucks And we used to run Xfinity But that went to our, our track out in Portland um, they, they, <laughs> I, I hate to use the term Because it's overused But you know they'll beat and bang um, a lot around uh, around mid Ohio, especially in in the tight turns and, and in those passing zones. Um, Indy car, obviously the lower um, uh, lower weight, uh, higher downforce, so they're a lot faster um, around mid Ohio. Um, but but put on a, a obviously put on a good show uh, as well. Um, the racing I, 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 for last year, I was. You know, I was interested, like everybody else, to see what the trucks would do. Um, you know, the guys, a lot of the guys are younger. Um, but what has impressed me is NASCAR, when I started in the sport, there were very few road course guys that that ran NASCAR. You know, we would get the um, uh, Boris Sedds and the Ron Fellows of the world jumping in the car. Um, and now I think these kids are, they're so good, and uh, their backgrounds in racing are a lot more diverse so you know coming to a road course i think they enjoy it um i like the way that nascar has embraced uh road racing um road course racing and obviously going to this, this uh, street race in chicago um you know so i hope we see i hope we see a lot of it a lot more of it because these guys are um are, are really good on on these types of
1: tracks yeah that kind of leads me to my my last question uh, craig is that you know i, I would expect it is there is there the goal for you guys at Mid-Ohio to, to get the Cup Series there one day and kind of along those lines? I mean, I, I'm, sure, I'm sure it's very encouraging to see NASCAR trying all these different things and going to more road courses than ever before.
2: Yeah, I, I don't know if it's it, it, it's nothing we've said, hey, here's our ultimate goal is to get, is to get a Cup race. Uh, we know how competitive it is. Uh, there's a lot of very deserving tracks around the country. Um, uh, that want races, uh, you know, that so, so forth deserve races. So I think for us, it's when, you know, when we host the Xfinity, when we host Truck, uh, the Truck Series, is let's put on a good event for the fans. Uh, hopefully the um, ratings are good that we can show people are interested uh, if they're not at the track. But I, I think if we, we just have to, you know, focus on hosting a good event, Uh, being a place where fans and series want to come. And then I think, you know, as they move the series around and um, change the schedule a little bit and maybe someday decide to do a little bit more road racing, hopefully we're we're on that list of tracks to consider.
1: And then, Craig, for various uh, listeners of our program and people that listen to the podcast, how can they go find more information about how to attend the events this weekend and then throughout the year at Mid-Ohio?
2: Yeah, um, the, uh, just go to our website, midohio.com. It has all the ticket information on there. Um, a weekend ticket uh, for this event is, is $60, so uh, I, I think it's good value for, for what's coming, and, um, uh, but that's the best way uh, to see it. And I do have one other thing. It was announced today and I, um, that Marco Andretti is actually going to get in a truck for the first time, um, and he's running at MidOhio this weekend.
1: So oh, wow. I'm real
2: excited to see that.
1: Yeah, that is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, Craig Russ joining us today on Sports Call, President of Mid-Ohio Sports Star Course. Craig, the time has been greatly appreciated. We we wish you success with not only these events this weekend, but with all the other series that go through there. And, again, we really appreciate the time today.
2: I appreciate it. Go Buckeyes.
1: Craig Russ joining us today on Sports Call. Uh, as we do have our intern, big uh, Ohio State fan, so uh, I'm sure he'll he'll like that. But uh, appreciate Craig for joining us there. Uh, as uh, again, a lot of fun stuff happening at Mid Ohio, and uh, again, well, not able to welcome in these guys to the show yet today. Uh, Brooks Childress and Cam Barry, you just heard Brooks there for a second, uh, but uh, we're we're off and running here. Uh, we're off to a kind of a race to. Get to the phone lines and, and that sort of thing. But, uh, Brooks, how was your weekend, man?
3: My weekend? It was phenomenal. Uh, it is uh, – hopefully it's, it's – my weekend was as phenomenal as the coming up weekend at Mid-Ohio where the racing is going to be because I was out of town. I don't know if people noticed. I was not here Friday, and I wasn't here yesterday, but nobody was here yesterday. Um, and so – we uh, went out of town, visited the uh, the in-laws this weekend, so I had really a lot of fun up there in the Carolinas, gallivanting between North and South Carolina. Ate a lot of good food uh, while I was out. Went to a, saw my first U.S. men's national team soccer match with the Gold Cup uh, up in Charlotte, Bank of America Stadium. That was fun, 6-0, U.S. beat uh Beat Trinidad and Tobago, and you yeah, know, two to, whole
1: whole things there. Not yeah. to
3: uh, beat two countries. Uh, <laughs> not to uh, spoil anything, but that may play into our Player of the Week. Announcement coming up later on this week, Uh, but we'll we'll have to wait and see there. You'll have to keep tuned in to see at that. But it was a great weekend, great weekend of sports. Uh, The Atlanta Braves kept rolling as they they took down the Fishies, and then they've taken the first one from the Guardians, got one more tonight. Hopefully they can win that series against Cleveland. Cleveland's a pretty good baseball team. Uh, And, yeah, had a good fourth. Hope everybody else out there had a good, safe fourth. And can't wait to talk to all of our callers and uh, keep, you know, getting right, uh, keep going right into the show.
1: Yeah, hopefully everyone still has all the extremities. (laughs) Uh, Hopefully everyone uh, was safe last night, definitely heard the fair share of fireworks, saw a few. I uh, did not go to a particular fireworks show, but uh, definitely still saw them out and about a little bit. Cam Berry also on the show today. Cam, how are you doing this uh, this fine Wednesday afternoon? I'm
4: doing very well, thank you. Um, good weekend? The, yeah, I had a very long weekend. Very good long weekend, very relaxing weekend, a much-needed Um, relaxing weekend just been kind of keeping up with NBA free agency and NBA trades and all those rumors going around and not loving what i'm hearing from the hawks but you know it just is what it is it's never
1: fun to cut costs no it's never gonna never be is
4: never never is so uh we'll see where that plays out but uh yeah just glad to be here absolutely yeah when uh we'll go to break
1: here for the first time in just a few minutes on the other side of the break we will have executive vice president and gm of atlanta motor speedway brandon hutchinson he's going to preview uh the cup series action uh, in Atlanta this weekend, so that'll be coming up at 3:30. We will get to Cam Coleman stuff, and and uh, a little bit later in the show, we will get to the news of the the commitment Auburn did get this weekend, which we'll, or not this weekend on uh, uh, on the Fourth of July yesterday. Um, but uh, yeah, Brooks, I, I know that uh, that was your first U.S. match that yeah. you've been to. Uh, they've got Canada on Sunday. Yep. in the next and the semifinals of the Gold Cup. Uh, so that was uh, that was a good one to go to. Uh, it, how do you feel? I don't know. Uh, first Falcons game for you, Cam Brooks. You've never been to a Patriots game, but maybe first Braves game well, or first Auburn game.
3: I mean, You're I've not I've, been to a. I've been to a Patriots game. And yes. It just has not been a home game. Yes,
1: I'm sorry, you went to the Falcons game last year. Uh,
4: but uh, I'm sure that was. How does it get disciplined? <laughs> I remember it vividly. So.
3: W- what would have
1: happened if they had drawn the U.S. Like like how when you go to your first ever game? Do you, does the result stick with you in a really nasty way, or was it a good game? What, what, uh, what was oh. the first experience like?
3: Well, I, I think it was it, it, when you go to your first game, no matter which, you know, <laughs> if it's a home or away game, it's always special because, it's like, this is the first time you get to see this team right. in, in person. Um, I do think the result has uh, – it, it sticks with you because it's the first time you saw them. Then, then you're like, man, maybe if, if they had lost – like if you go to a first your first ten, uh, game for your favorite team and they lose, you're like, maybe I shouldn't go back. Maybe I'm the problem. <laughs> yeah. Um. And, and so it, it was good. Uh. I, I think it, like I would have felt fine with a draw because I I went to um. I'll tell you what. I went last year to my first Seattle Sounders match, which was against Atlanta United, and they uh, did they draw or did they either drew or they lost in the like the 90 something extra minute. I think it was they lost because uh, is Seattle the Atlanta scored first, then Seattle scored early in the second half, and then late in the second half uh, there was a, uh, Atlanta scored like in extra time, lost heartbreaker, but. I was still, you know, I still enjoyed that experience. And so I think overall you enjoy your first experience because oh, it's just the first time you get to see your team in person that you've been watching on TV or listening to or following on social media. But it, it, it does have an added bonus if you get to win. Yeah. I mean, it, oh, absolutely. It, it get, it's a little added bonus, but the first, I think that first time, no matter what, it, it feels special because you're there, you're in person, you get to see all the the guys that you really, you know, you've enjoyed watching. Um, after that, that's when you start to be like, all right, guys, if you lose your first like two or three times, you go see a team, you're like, all right, let's pick it up. Let's go. Come on.
4: Yeah, I, I still remember my my first uh, Falcons game. I want to say, I want to say it was 2012, 2000, maybe 2011. 11, so you're 11, pretty young. 12. Yeah, I was. Um, And um, the Falcons were playing the Cardinals. It was in the Georgia Dome. And the Falcons won 49-0. Heck yeah. Yeah. Good Lord. Yeah. Yeah, it was. I'm, I enjoyed it thoroughly. Yeah, <laughs> um, I would too. Uh, did someone tell you
1: like, "Hey, this is like the best that it can happen because <laughs> no one's going to win by more than fifty points"? The I league. know,
4: right? I, I just was. I don't even know. I was having such a ball of a time. Um, Who, what kind of atrocity was that? Cardinals? Team? Oh, they were very um, not good. <laughs> was that just before twenty twelve? Twenty eleven? It was either twenty. Yeah, but you between twenty 11, eleven and twenty 20- 20- thirteen, I, I know I look for a fact. this roster, you don't hear games are that. Big a
1: blowout uh, again and that's not like a, oh the falcons did that somebody that's just like no there's just not many games yeah. like that in professional football man you went to a,
4: oh, an yeah. optimal yeah it was it was a very
1: very 20, good
3: uh game. they they beat them in 2019 or 20 not 2019 2012 the falcons 2012? won 23 to 19.
4: no so that, it wouldn't was have been that it. one it was absolutely a blowout i do remember that much so just let's
1: see start going through falcons schedules here Although I wouldn't think they would have played many NFC. I mean, I guess you, you do have the shared strength, so you could play someone a couple of years in a row, but uh, depending on where you, you finish in the division. Right. Uh, while Brooks is searching for it, the first Bucks game yeah. I went to, which had me knowing that I was going to be okay to go to these games, win or lose, it was against the Falcons. It was the J- last Jameis Winston game in Tampa which he fittingly threw a pick six in overtime uh it's sudden death so you throw a pick six in overtime you lose and that's the first bucks game i ever went to and still had a blast were you able yeah, to find i the
3: was 2010 2010 2010? week oh, two falcons 41 to 7 winners to over seven. the cardinals okay that's what look it was, at this. It was
1: really early for a beatdown down of the year like that the yeah. arizona of anything that year? The three
3: quarterbacks on wow. the Arizona oh Cardinals gosh, roster that, that year. Up? Oh, dear. Me. 13 years.
4: Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's how you know it runs deep. <laughs> give me them. Give me these Pro Bowl quarterbacks.
1: <laughs> no, give them to me.
3: Max Hall.
1: Was that the BYU guy? Was that, like, not cool Taysom Hill? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> not cool, Taysom Hill. I don't know. But not that I love Taysom Hill by any stretch of the imagination, but he's at least a competent football player.
3: He, uh, in the uh, NFL. Max Hall, started three games that year for them. That's just disgusting. That shouldn't have happened. Um, the other quarterback, the, the second most starts that year was John Skelton with four. Oh,
1: no. Four, I think Fordham's great, yeah. John Skelton.
3: Yeah. And then the, the quarterback that got the most starts with nine on the year. Derek Anderson.
1: Oh, yeah. That that was. I see why they were bad. Yeah. Guess what? Were, I figured it out. Nuts. Oh my god. Case closed. <laughs> no. 2000.
4: Jay oh, Feely that makes was sense. the kicker. Jay Feely. Jay Feely was their. Oh, picker. and it goes that, through the uprights. That uh that actually that actually checks out now that I think about it, 2010 because that was the first year that we had moved uh, moved back to Gwinnett after we had lived in Columbus for a year. Okay. So that makes sense. Nice. That that mathing had to kind of backtrack a little bit gets kind of fuzzy and you know? yeah but yeah oh my gosh well, that well, 2010 that's so surprising
3: leading yeah. rusher on that team was tim hightower
4: yeah richmond
1: and, i think
3: and then the uh,
1: i don't know why i'm remembering these things don't ask me <laughs> I, I think you
3: could guess who the leading receiver on that team was it's Fitzgerald. <laughs> yeah, sure. golly
1: how
4: did he not ask out <laughs> i know right <laughs> steve breston was the second leading receiver was that, I mean, what, three years later, three, four years later, they were in the Super Bowl, right?
1: No, I think that was before. It wasn't the Warner team, Maybe like, 08-ish, 07. You're right, it was. But, I mean, they did get good again with, with Carson 20, Palmer yeah, you're
4: right? 20, two years later. Yeah. Bruce Arians. Right. And they did go to the NFC Championship game And then in they got smoked by Carolina. Right, yep. yeah. But. Wait. Wait, a, there's
3: more. A, an unsung stat of this game, Jay Fe- or of this year, Jay Feely had a rushing touchdown. <laughs> My goodness! He goodness. ran once for five yards and got a touchdown.
1: Who let Good. him do that? I, uh, that's a rhetorical question. What if it was Tampa? Don't know. <laughs> Tampa was really bad. I think that year. Uh, that is unbelievable.
3: Good uh, news, Ryan. They didn't, no, they played the Bucs. Yeah. But they lost 38 35, so uh, the Bucs won. Aha! Uh-huh. Fire the cannons. Um, Who did they beat uh, that year? They beat the Rams 17 to 13. They beat the Raiders 24 23. They beat the Saints 30 to 20. Broncos 43 to 13. They and won. The Cowboys 27 They won like five whole games yeah, they that year? Five games. <laughs> With Derek Anderson is your starting quarterback.
1: Yeah, I mean, he. Was somewhat competent
4: in Carolina at, right. at that time.
1: Oh,
3: I'm, I yeah. missed one. Richard Bartell was also there. He didn't start any, though. Richard Bartell. had oh, a I don't one, know who played that in is. game. He was that, a that's
4: just two
1: names. To <laughs> I, just, I don't know. It's significant. I don't know what that is. Anyway, we're going to go to our first timeout of the show. Again, when we come back, the executive vice president and general manager of Atlanta Motor Speedway, Brandon Hutchinson, will join us. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
0: To the show send us your thoughts via email you've got mail sports call at the tiger.fm
5: i'm deshaun davis former arvin tigers football player and all sec linebacker you're listening to sports call on tiger 95.9
1: Back to sports call tiger 95.9 ryan lavoy brooks childress and cam berry with you here on this wednesday we're now pleased to go back to the auburn bank phone line and we're now joined by brandon hutchinson the executive vice president and general manager of atlanta motor speedway brandon the time is greatly appreciated how are you doing today
6: I'm doing awesome, getting ready for the race this weekend, and I appreciate the time with you guys today. Thank you very much.
1: Absolutely, we know Atlanta one of the one of if not maybe the closest race uh, that's held from from our studios here in Auburn. So not a bad drive up the interstate at all. We're really excited uh, to have you on, Brandon, to talk Atlanta as uh, we've seen obviously huge changes in this track over the the last few years going from a, a, a rough surface that drivers adored that, that got them loose and had them uh, fighting the car all the way around now to a drafting track. I mean, what, uh, what kind of went into that decision and, and how do you think it's playing out so far?
6: You know, a lot went into that, that decision. Of course, it was, it was inevitable that we were going to have to repave at some point. And in doing that, going through that process, we decided we wanted to take a look at, at something new, special, and different, which is what our company, Speedway Motorsports, is known for, and decided ultimately to take the banking from 24 degrees to 28 degrees, and it completely changed the dynamic of racing at Atlanta Motor Speedway. And if you've seen racing on the new configuration, it is the most compelling, exciting racing on the NASCAR circuit. If you're familiar with Daytona or Talladega, we are still a intermediate-length, track that races like a super speedway so drafting side-by-side racing lots of passes for position lots of passes for the lead it's 400 miles of white knuckle racing for the drivers and 400 miles of edge of your seat entertainment for the fans
1: and brandon i assume that that played a large role too in the the move for nascar to go back from having one date at the track to two over these last few years. How proud are you to have be one of the few tracks? There's not a lot of tracks anymore, especially ovals, that have two dates. So uh, just how proud of you and how much do you you think it came into play that, that it is a different style track now?
6: You know, I'm proud of our company. I'm proud of our entire team here at Atlanta Motor Speedway. It's not something that happened overnight obviously we had had two races for a long long time since our our inaugural year in in 1960 um so to get that second race back after a decade off was extremely exciting certainly makes us proud to have two nascar races in the state of georgia in henry county and atlanta motor speedway because like you said you don't see that too much these days we're, most, uh, we're one of the most iconic historical racetracks, been around just about longer than everybody, with the exception of probably Daytona and Tar- Tal- or, uh, Darlington. Um, so, yeah, it's a lot of fun. We've had Supercross, Monster Jam, NASCAR, high school graduation, car and truck shows, state fairs this year. So this is a culmination of five months, really, of action here at Atlanta Motor Speedway.
3: And, Brandon, you talk about all the history that's around Atlanta Motor Speedway. More history is being to be made this weekend. as uh, Kevin Harvick making his last ever start at Atlanta Motor Speedway this weekend. What, do you all have anything special planned to to send him out on a, on a high note, or is it just uh, hoping he gets the win there?
6: I don't think there's any higher note than if he could get the win here. But, yeah, he got his first win here back in 2001 after the untimely death of Dale Earnhardt, and what an emotional – special win that was for him, Richard Childress, the entire team. At that point, he edged out Jeff Gordon by six one-thousandths of a second to get his first win. To have him race here for the last time after he's seen so much success will certainly be cool to see. will be fun to watch play out. We are bringing that 29 car, his very first victory car, out of the museum in Welcome, North Carolina, bringing it down here to Atlanta Motor Speedway. It hasn't been out of the museum since that day. Richard Childress is going to be our grand marshal, and we've got a uh, we got a couple things we're going to give to Kevin over the course of the weekend as well. So it is uh, it's going to be a fun weekend for sure.
1: As you mentioned that that close finish and Atlanta's seen a lot of epic finishes, and you know sometimes that's not necessarily the case on on ovals. And I now know that with the drafting element back, we're going to see a lot of f- photo finishes and. and battles to the end, but what about Atlanta has made it so special in terms of having some, some classic finishes in the sport?
6: Yeah, we've been known for some of the closest finishes in NASCAR history. You know, we have been an extremely racy racetrack for years and years and years. From 1960 to 19, March of 1997, we were a one5 1.522 22-mile true oval In November of 97, we became a 1.54-mile quad oval. In 2021, as we just talked about, we increased the banking. So we've got a lot of history, we've got a lot of tradition, and we keep changing things to make sure that we're providing the most entertaining events for our fans as we possibly can. And you see that in a lot of what takes place here. And like you said, now that we're a drafting track, When they dropped the green flag on Saturday and Sunday, anybody out there has a chance to win this race. Last July, Corey LaJoy was three-quarters of a lap from his first victory. That would have been really cool. But Chase Elliott got his first win at his home track here at Atlanta Motor Speedway, and that was fun to see, too.
3: Well, Brandon, you mentioned you know being entertaining for the fans, and we we all know that does not just mean what's on the track. It also means what's going on around the track. I know y'all got things started last night with the big Fourth of July fireworks display, and then coming up this weekend, I- I'm looking at this list. Y'all got a lot of uh, big name uh, music acts that are going to be there this weekend to entertain the fans.
6: Absolutely, Chapel Heart from America's Got Talent is going to play. Lone Star is going to play. Andy Grammer is going to play the pre-race concert. We've got five concerts over the next five days. Tuesday's Gone, which is a Leonard Skinner tribute band, is going to be playing in the Peach Pit Friday night. We've got a mechanical bull, a laser show, fireworks down there in the Peach Pit Friday night. We've got biking under the lights here tonight. Families that are camping with us will have a chance to get their bicycles out on track to do a lap. It's about making sure that if you choose to spend your money to come to Atlanta Motor Speedway, we give you every opportunity to have a good time, even when cars aren't on
1: track. And how important is it, is that part of it, Brandon? Because we saw, you know, NASCAR's been doing some different things here recently, and they, they did the Chicago street race last week. And, man, the, the rain made it just as tough as possible uh, on everybody. Uh, but, but how important is it to try and, and create, I guess, value throughout the entire weekend and not just on race Sunday?
6: Well, it's critical, right? I mean, we're all paying more for everything these days, unfortunately. At Atlanta Motor Speedway, we haven't gone up in ticket prices for years. Kids are free on Saturday for the Alsker uniforms, 250 Kids are only 10 bucks for the Quaker State 400 available at Walmart. I like to say we're cheaper than a matinee movie and just making sure not only we have the entertainment, but we've got price points that work for everybody that that wants to come see a NASCAR race. Because while we're known as a world-class racing facility, what we really wanna be known for is a world-class entertainment facility. We're gonna have 650 miles of racing under the lights this weekend. But as important to us, again, is to make sure that when cars aren't on track, we're giving our fans something to do, something to entertain them, because hey, it is a big time, it's a big event, and we treat it like that. We've been preparing for this race since the checkered flag fell last July, and our fans will notice that when they get here this week.
1: So Brandon, I was doing some research, and I've seen that you've been with Atlanta since 1995, and that overlaps with something that despite, I I have a fair knowledge of NASCAR, I watch every week, and And know a good number of things. Apparently, there was a road course at Atlanta in the mid-90s that operated for a few years. What in the world can you tell me about that?
6: It's still here. We got a one-mile infield road course. We can connect it with the mile-and-a-half track to get a a two-and-a-half mile road course. We've had some champ car races in there before. We've had some motorcycle racing in there before. It's not conducive to NASCAR style racing so let's not, uh, let's not get too excited about a, a potential Roval at Atlanta Motor Speedway. but yeah again it just plays into our entire event portfolio it gives us an opportunity to, to give people maybe it's a new line automobile introduction maybe it's go-kart racing maybe it's a different style of, of activity that would work on the road course and it's important to us that we have that here. We're known for tons of movie shoots, movie productions. We're known for car and truck shows, AMA Supercross, Monster Jam, as I said earlier. It just gives us the opportunity to continue expanding our event portfolio.
1: And then, Brandon, I, I know that with all these changes that uh, NASCAR has been making and alluded to the Chicago race last week and the the neat, the you know, the desire for NASCAR, they've been shifting up and going to more... Uh, road courses, but also you know, with Atlanta becoming a drafting track now more drafting track races, do you feel like you're well positioned in the future? Because again, with NASCAR making these changes, it seems like one of the most, if not the most entertaining form of NASCAR is, is drafting track races because everyone has a chance to win it. I mean, it, did that go p- kind of part into the planning of, of making it into that kind of track? And, and just uh, what do you think of these changes that NASCAR has been implementing the last few years?
6: That's a great question, and and no, I'd be lying to you if I, I, I said we had a crystal ball and, and that went into the design that we chose. We really were trying to think of what would be, as I said earlier, new, special, and different. There hadn't been a high bank. We're the steepest mile-and-a-half track on the circuit. I think we're positioned well for long into the future, long after I'm gone and I'm just coming back again as a fan, Um, this type of racing, it gives fans just about everything they could possibly want. Even if you've got that fan that says they're not a fan of the pack-style racing, I would argue you've got passes for position all over the field. You've got changes for the lead throughout the day. It lends itself for the opportunity for a for for a few more accidents, which, if if we were all being honest, we kind of like the, the accidents a little bit. Um, so it's very compelling. You never know who's going to win. You know, a lot of tracks, you show up and you're like, yeah, I could probably name five guys that have the best shot to win this weekend, unless you have a Chicago street style race where the the sunset kind of changes the trajectory of the whole race. But you come to Atlanta Motor Speedway and. Anybody can win, and we've seen that over the last couple of races. And I have no, uh, I have no doubt we'll see that here this weekend with both of our races on Saturday and Sunday night.
1: Absolutely. Talking to Brandon Hutchinson, the executive vice president and general manager of Atlanta Mo- Motor Speedway. Again, Brandon, the time's been greatly appreciated. We are only about two hours away, maybe an hour and a half if we want to start getting in on the racing ourselves. Uh, but how can all of our listeners uh, purchase tickets this weekend and be a part of the fun?
7: Yeah, you're probably
6: right at two hours away. Um, I get over to uh, Lake Martin quite a bit, so I'm, I'm, I know exactly where you are, <laughs> and it's not, too, it's not too far away. You know, your listeners can go to atlantamotorspeedway.com. They can pick a price point that works best for them. We've got, again, kids' tickets are free on Saturday. Kids' tickets are only 10 bucks on Sunday. We've got college pricing, price tickets. We've got military price tickets. So go to AtlantaMotorspeedway.com, pick a price point that works best for you, and come and see us.
3: Well, Brandon, since you know exactly where we are, we expect to listen next time you're in the area.
6: Hey, absolutely. No doubt about it. Next time I'm out on the lake, I'll take a listen to you. Love to get over to, uh, to the stadium as much as I can. We won't talk about that too much because I'm afraid I would turn some of your listeners off. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, love the area. It's a great place to be, and um, I come see y'all a lot. Y'all need to come see
1: us. Absolutely. That sounds like a, a plan. Brandon Hutchison today on Sports Call with us. Brandon, time's greatly appreciated. We hope everything goes well this weekend, and we'll talk again down the line. Hey,
6: listen, I really do appreciate the time and any of your listeners that choose to come to Atlanta Motor Speedway this weekend. I appreciate them choosing to spend their money with us, and we'll do the very very best we can to make sure they have a great time.
1: Absolutely. We look forward to it. We appreciate it, Brandon. Thank you very much. That is Brandon Hutchinson, again, the Executive Vice President and General Manager of Atlanta Motor Speedway, joining us today on Sports Call. Hope everyone can go out and attend. Uh, Two really fun races this weekend at Atlanta Motor Speedway. One final timeout in this hour of Sports Call. Back to wrap it up right after this.
0: Sports Call crew wants to hear from you. Give us a phone call at 334 887 3401. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call.
1: Our number two of Sports Call starting right now, Tiger 95.9, the FM, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and Cam Berry. With you here on this Wednesday, and then a shout-out to T.P. Hammock, our intern, who is now on the board running the show uh, from here for, the, uh, for the, probably the rest of the show. And uh, appreciate T.P. for joining us. You'll hear him on the show again very soon. So, here in hour number two, we've got to start discussing the latest in the Auburn sports world, and that, of course, is recruiting-related at the moment. I will start with the commitment although I fear and I am aware that the bigger news is probably the person that did not commit but let's start with people that are currently committed to play for Auburn and that would be the latest coming from D'Angelo Barber a three-star linebacker out of clay chonkville in Pinson Alabama to give you some of the rankings of uh, Barber, depending on where you look, most have him as a three. There is rivals that gives him a low four-star rating, so if you've seen that passed around, that would be why. But on three, 247 and ESPN rate him as a three-star player. The on three industry ranking, which, of course, uh, aggregates everything, has him as the number 532 player in the country. Uh, that rates him as the third lowest recruit out of the nine that Auburn has signed. For 2024. So D'Angelo Barber in the fold. Guys, I believe uh, Barber is the second linebacker of the class, I believe. I know Joe Phillips of Booker T. Washington, who is the, the top commit, uh, is a linebacker. Yes, this is the second linebacker of the class. So, again, what do you make of this this commitment? And uh, we're all for standing recruiting wise right now.
4: Um, just solid addition to the team. More, more building, more recruiting for this 24 class. Obviously, um, I think Freeze is just trying to get uh, as many quality players into the into the building that are his guys as possible. Um, you know, already got. I guess Joseph Phillips technically is an edge, but you know he's also considered kind of a linebacker as well. Um, so that adds two, um, two of these guys uh, into, into the fold. And so, yeah, he's just trying to, to build up his program and, and his vision and get the guys that he thinks will fit his program.
3: Yeah, and, and, and you know, you look at it on another level. It's, it's going out there and winning an a in-state battle. Uh, kids from Clay Chalkville. Uh, so going up there into that, that region and winning a, uh, getting recruiting, winning a recruiting battle for, for a kid, uh, you know, is, is good, especially in that, in that area to show that you, you know, get a foothold there and you got, you get the three stars. And then once you start winning those recruiting battles, you, you, you know, you can start winning more and more big time recruiting battles from, from that area when you're going up against the big teams like Alabama and Georgia who are, who are poaching that area. And it's, it's, you know, it, like we we've talked about several times this week uh he's he's continues he's he phrasing the staff continues to do a good job winning the local battles and by local I mean in state battles where uh you you continue to build those those relationships with the with the in state high school coaches uh continue to show your presence in the state and you, know, you can, like you said Cam, continue to build a program uh out of guys that uh Have not been committing to the to to Auburn the last couple years. So with that, we've talked. I don't
1: know, week maybe two ago when Phillips committed that Auburn was about seventeenth in the rankings. Well, obviously, Auburn's not the only one to continue to get commitments. They're actually lower than they were even with this commitment. They are 21st now. So it kind of shows you how much it can fluctuate in just a matter of a week with how many guys are still committing. Although I would still caution you not to worry about some of the teams that have moved above them. It is pure quantity for some of these teams. For example, 20th is Stanford. Told you Auburn has nine players. Stanford has 27 already. Uh, They have 22 three-stars, so Auburn has more four-stars than Stanford, even though they've got a third of the players. So that's someone clearly Auburn will pass in in mere moments, in a a mere uh, commit or two. Nebraska, same way, who's in 19th. They have 23 players committed, 5 4 Stars and 18 three stars. So again, a couple of these are just quantity hogs. There, I mean, they're not they're not getting the same same quality. Although, you know, someone that did pass Auburn of note would be Oklahoma, and they've got 11 commits to Auburn's nine. So that is something that's a more even race. And the average, 89.86 for Auburn, 89.57 for Oklahoma. Right. So Auburn's still a little ahead there, but but very small. Arkansas someone that's also moved ahead just barely, but they've got 14 players committed to, to Auburn's nine. So a lot of this is a numbers game at this point. Auburn's still – yeah, look, admittedly, I mean they're behind a little bit in the quantity, but I think that's due to the fact that Auburn for the first time in three or four years is actually targeting with with great ferocity. The, the five-star guys and right. the big guys. And those guys do not always commit as quickly. Look, if you're a three-star guy, I'm not going to say one size fits all. There's way too many com- uh, commitments, way too many recruits for that. But if you're a three-star guy, as I think what's happening at probably somewhere like Stanford, I haven't gone through it, but I bet you a lot of those guys are like, wow, I can go play at the Power Five level right. and get a great education. Yeah. I'm down. Commit. This is what I was looking for. Right. And you just commit, basically, at that moment. But these these top guys, look, some of them will commit, and we're going to get to one that just did, <sighs> that can, can commit early. But they're still going to go on their visits, and they're going to make a big process out of it. And it's well within their right to do that. But they're going to kind of get the wine and dine treatment. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so some of these bigger guys are not going to be as likely to commit, at least in my view, uh, as early as the the wealth of guys. They're just looking for a particular offer, particular particular location conference etc so that's at least my theory and why some of those schools like Stanford have heck a full class I mean they have 27 players already but so for Auburn they're swinging a little bigger this year and so even though nine numerically is low for this time of year and you can see that because I mean everyone around them is in double digits again the average rating is much better than 21st it's in the top 15 it's almost in the top 10 and that's where kind of you expect Auburn to be so the big news, however, on the 4th of July, other than the country celebrating a birthday, was that Cam Coleman made a commitment, and it was not, to Auburn University. This was very much uh, catching people off guard. The recruiting prediction machine, which, look, some people might like it. Some might think it's stupid. I don't know. I'm just I'm just telling you things. I'm telling you facts. Relaying information. Exactly. Uh, which is on Three's tool to try and predict where people were going. Uh, are going to commit 93.4 percent said the machine likelihood that Auburn would get a commitment from Cam Coleman 2.1 percent for Texas A&M which was the second largest school by the way but uh, just ahead of Clemson and LSU with 1.2 and 1 percent respectively. But this was a shocker. This is not something what I'm trying to portray to everybody is, unfortunately, uh, this was not something that is just shocking to the Auburn world and the Auburn people that were starting to think it was leaning towards Auburn. This is shocking to uh, a lot of the recruiting world at large, something that's 93-plus percent. uh, Goes to Texas A&M. Now, look, this is the whole bit where, all right, you sign the papers in six months or five months. It's probably not a done deal, and things can change. And this gets into can fall performance of these two schools change things? I bet you it can. And if if not only for the Auburn element of what Hugh Freeze in year one looks like, what does Jimbo Fisher in Texas A&M look like? At what is this year six, year seven now? seven If it's not even about Auburn trying to be an eight or nine win team, it's about if A&M is another incompetent team if they're six and six or worse again. Then that might influence this. So I want to, I want to give this the proper. Hey, this is not great. This is not the preference, and this is unexpected. But at the same time, Auburn ain't gonna be done here. Auburn's not gonna just pick up their their lunch pail and go somewhere else. I mean, they're They're going to be continually still hounding uh, Cam Coleman and company. But I mean, nevertheless, back to the original point. Still a big surprise in the recruiting world that Cam Coleman, uh, for now, committed to Texas A&M.
4: Yeah, big-time surprise. Again, like you said, um, all of the crystal balls and and all the predictors had had him coming uh, to Auburn and kind of staying in state in in that central—you know, he's from central Phoenix City, so uh, not too far down the road at all. Um, And then Texas A&M just seemed to have— You know not I mean almost necessarily come out of nowhere because it seemed like it was you know between the likes of Auburn and Alabama and and teams like that and um, Texas A&M just kind of really surprised people Um, you know I kind of read where it was the NIL money that really took a swing I saw some people saying that he was getting like a million dollars in NIL like what was what he was offered and Uh, different things like that, which I I mean, I guess at Texas A&M, I guess we can't be too surprised because of how much money they do have um, to be able to give to athletes in that that section. Um, But I agree that Auburn's not done yet. He's right in the backyard, uh, so can always be able to at least you know, go see him like right then and there. It's pretty, pretty easy to make that drive about 40, 45 minutes maybe um, to, to Central Phoenix City and say, hey, you know we still want you. We still really think you can be a usage to our program and, and all these different things. Um, you know, I, I think a hindrance with Hugh Freeze just as of right now is you can't really prove the product that he's trying to push on the field because nobody's seen it yet you know he can only sell a vision so much he can't really you know truly prove and back it up what he's really doing here at Auburn you know he can show what he did at Old Miss and he can show what he did at Liberty and and you know say well you know I made these programs you know kind of successful here and there and I can develop talent but it's truly what can he do at Auburn? That's going to be the big, uh, big swing, the big deal breaker for a lot of these recruits. I think it's just a matter of he—he's unproven here yet. Uh, he's unproven here as of right now. So I think that's something that in the in the fall, Ryan, that is going to take a part in in these players, these high-profile players, being able to be sold on the vision.
1: The one thing I'll rebuttal slightly with is that. You know, at least he does have the Ole Miss part of it for sure. because some guys are coordinators right. and they just kind of show, oh, you know, this was my side of the ball. <laughs> yeah, this you know, is my that's offense, cool. Like, like my defense, right? it, I'm probably going to go to this well too many times this year, especially if they struggle again. But something like it's very going to be very difficult for Brent Venables to pitch a lot other than just the history of Oklahoma and and the general success of the program after what they put on the field last year, and yet they're 19th right now, which, to be fair, Oklahoma expects to be a little higher than that, but it's still a couple places ahead of Auburn for now, and so I think that Hugh has the ability to point to real things at Ole Miss. I I know there were no championships there, but real wide receivers were there. Real good offensive play was there. And We're talking the offensive side of football right now. And people might be surprised. I was going back over these two numbers. That Cam Coleman, because there's been a lot of Perry Thompson talk. I think we've spent more time on the show talking Perry Thompson than we have Cam Coleman. Cam Coleman's actually the higher-rated yeah, right. receiver. just higher just Perry. Just yep. for everyone's knowledge. Number if I, overall, if yeah. I may go through the numbers here, if you go through, if I just took one whole number for you, and made it really easy, the on-three aggregate, then Cam Coleman is the number-ten player in the country, Okay, number-three wide receiver. And Perry Thompson is the number 32 player in the country, the number nine wide receiver. Perry Thompson is technically not a five-star player with on three. He is a five-star player with two, four, seven. But as a matter of fact, with rivals, Perry Thompson is low as the number 77 player in the country. Is that low? No, of course not. That's still a top 100 player in the yeah. country. I'm not saying that that is low in any way, but I'm merely saying Cam Coleman grades out on rivals who does not give as many five stars as the other services. He is technically a four-star on rivals as the number 23 player in the country, and that is his lowest ranking of any of the services compared to 77. So Cam Coleman is, I think, in one way, at least from a overall, uh, or at least a national perception-wise, maybe the bigger prize. However, obviously, if you're around here, which we are, then Perry Thompson is equally as big of a prize because of the Alabama flip element, which automatically... Endears, uh, <laughs> endears yeah. himself to the Auburn community to flip from Alabama to <laughs> Auburn if that were to happen. Uh, but of course, Cam Coleman coming out of Central Phoenix City, another school right down the road. You always wonder if there is, and look, this doesn't happen all the time. I don't think it's a great argument, but it can happen once or twice if you want to get away from home. Yeah, we've talked about this in oh, yeah. in, in other other deals where. Look, sometimes you just, as an 18-year-old, it's ready to get away from home. Agreed. You just are sometimes. And now, look, I would say this. I would say that clearly Auburn, the last few years, has not recruited its backyard as well as it needs to. So I think logic would say that it is more of an Auburn problem than it is, okay, these are just the rare cases that these kids are wanting to get away from home. But nevertheless, I think that with this part of it um, – They have continually struggled here, and this kind of signifies to me why Coleman is just as big of a deal, if not bigger, for me than Thompson. Is because Auburn once, like, if there's one place you want to be able to fend people off of, it's going to be it. places like Phoenix City, yeah, Auburn High, absolutely. Opelika High, when they've got the big-time players. And we've just seen time and time again, while well, Auburn's gotten some some three-star guys and that sort of thing from around here, Auburn has lost the biggest prizes out of their backyard for a while. That is a real and unfortunate thing, and this trend only continues if not, they're not able to flip Cam Coleman at some point. My question for you guys with Coleman, and Cam, you got into this a little bit, so we'll start with Brooks, is – There's also this thought out here, and it would be easy to do this, so I'm going to give you a percentage uh, with two different things to weigh here. How much of this is the NIL money that Texas A&M can offer? How much of this is Jimbo Fisher and Bobby Petrino having a perceived really good offensive scheme? I'm not going to say that it's perfect because clearly A&M has had a multitude of troubles with Fisher, but Petrino—I mean, both these guys still overall respected offensive people. So, how much of it is a fit for a an offensive player going to offensive-minded personnel or offensive-minded coaching staff? Excuse me, versus NIL money. What would be your percentage?
3: Um, with with just this this commitment, this
1: yes, with this Cam Coleman commitment, if but, it were to stay.
3: Well, you see, if if you know, I I don't have all of the. Uh... I don't have all you know obviously don't we don't have all the things but you, just on from the outside looking in the the way the fact that it was so heavy prediction toward auburn and there was not as big a prediction toward texas a and i would have to say the nil deal played a, played a big chunk in it, and that's what i was going to say kim you brought it up but i was going to say there must have been a, a pretty big nil paycheck that they got that he got offered um I, I I won't you know, it, there's it's no slight toward uh Jimbo Fisher and Bobby Petrino because you've looked at what they've done at their respective schools. Uh you know, obviously Petrino was at a at a fcs school for uh this last couple of years but when he was at louisville you had some pretty good offensive players come out of there you've had some really good offensive players come out of texas a&m you've had a really good offensive players come out of florida state where jimbo fisher's been so if you're a recruit looking at you know the, if, at looking at those two com, you know putting their offensive heads together and you know having a uh, a a a new brainchild as it were to say at texas a&m that's a pretty attractive place to be if you're if you're an offensive player, uh, going you know looking to go to a school. But it, the the way it just looks from the outside end, the way it was so so heavily favored that Auburn was going to get the commitment, and then all of a sudden there was a surprise. Boom! I'm going to Texas A&M. You got to feel like the the NIL played quite a bit, uh, quite a bit of a, a leeway there for Where him. Where you kill.
1: going? Like 80, 20, 90 10, Um. Eighty three point six. I don't
3: know. Seventy five. Seventy five. Okay. Nil because just because because of the way it was all leaning toward Auburn, yeah. and because you you look at both Hugh Freeze had a lot of, has had a lot of good offensive players that, at Liberty uh, and at Ole Miss. You you've seen some there are players that are in the league still that were on those those Ole Miss teams that you're like, hey, he you know he knows how to develop some NFL talent. Uh, so I, I would have to say the the NIL. I mean that and that's just from the outside looking in. Uh, but the NIL probably had some had a majority to do with it.
4: Yeah, so I'd I, I lean about 70-30 um, in terms of NIL being a, a deciding factor. Um, you know, but, I mean, if you're Auburn, you just continue to do what you can um, and really just push for, hey, we're going to put you in the best situation possible to be able to succeed. Um, I mean, obviously, Texas A&M is able to bring in a lot of talent with what they can offer with the NIL money. Um you know, obviously, like, a couple of years ago, 2022, they got um, Evan Stewart, you know, who was number, number two wide receiver overall, was, like, number 13 in his class. So, you know, they bring in a lot of talent, and, and there's guys that, um, you know, I'm sure can vouch for, you know, in the Texas A&M program that can vouch for what Jimbo is able to do in terms of development, at least on the skill position side of things. So you you definitely wonder, um, you know, if, if – they'll be able to build off that and i i don't know we'll, we'll just see i i do think a lot of it was in IL though yeah. which is just unfortunate i think auburn i'm sure they tried as best they could to make it interesting but just i mean the money that's over there at texas a&m is just i, I mean it, it's it's, a, it's ridiculous
1: <laughs> so i i'm tempted to even go higher than you guys and go around 85 15 yeah. i mean like you could talk me anywhere between 80 20 90 10 Look, there is certainly a part of it that's like, okay, this is clearly an offensive-minded coaching staff that has good ideas to try and get these people involved, and they've recruited this position well and, and all that sort of thing. But at the end of the day, A&M just bats well above their success rate in terms of NIL. And it we know that. like We don't even have to speculate about that because look at the money that Alabama and Georgia kind of spent on the recruiting part of it. I think there was that uh, that deal a few weeks ago where we were analyzing the the various budgets that some of these schools have put oh, on, and like yep. Bama was not yeah. the top five. I don't even think Ohio State was overly high. And it's mm. like... So- couple of these top two three four programs they sell themselves like you know what you're getting yeah. yes there's going to be big nil deals at the end of the day but it's not shocking like you don't have to reach far and beyond to get a kid interested in you whereas somewhere like texas a and sure that's a known commodity in the state of texas and it, it it fights to be relevant in the national picture but it really hasn't been and compared to their success rate for i don't know like all of eternity there they are recruiting well above their success rate. And that's how you know that NIL is incredibly involved with it. Yes, the Jimbo Fisher name was going to get you stuff initially. Well, this is not initially anymore. They have had decent seasons, a great season, and a god-awful season. They've had a little bit of everything since Jimbo got there. And so, therefore, we know what's left because the history is still not incredible. The history is the history. They've not added a lot to it. Okay, they still are not the top dog in that state. And they still uh, have not had, uh, you know, a complete change in the hierarchy within the conference. Even if they were not winning something nationally, have they changed their outlook in this conference? No, they have not. And in a matter of fact, in 12 months, they might have dropped even lower than when they were when they entered the conference because they're too big. Uh, I won't say brothers because I don't like that term all the time, but they're two big machines that they've always competed against in the Big 12 will now join them in the SEC. So they really don't have a lot to pitch other than some prestige still remaining with the coaching staff and the money part of it. So uh, I think that that is a major reason why. And look, I'm not trying to be grumpy about it because if you have the money, it's yours to spend. But I think, again, it would be misleading to think that that is not the biggest reason why A&M is still pulling this, despite what was a a terrible season last year. I mean, uh, there are plenty of schools that had far more respectable seasons than A&M that are well behind them in the recruiting rankings, despite being in in power conferences. So I think that part of it is a clear sign uh, that Texas A&M is uh, is doing something there with the NIL, and, and that is is why they're getting a, a big prize. We're going to go to our first break here of our number two. When we come back, we'll get to birthdays and sports. Also, if you want to give us a call on the Auburn Bank phone line, 334-887-3401, locally or toll free, one 9 Tiger 9. Back with more Sports Call right after this.
0: Stay tuned. You're listening to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning sports call. Tiger Weather, brought to you by Auburn University Credit Union. Now's the time to save with Auburn University Credit Union's CD Special. Get 4.75% APR for 13 months. That's 4.75% APR for 13 months.
1: Annual percentage rate. Federally insured by NCUA. Limited time offer. We'll see highs again around 90 degrees today. The spots that will stay dry should reach 90. The spots that get wet might stop a couple degrees short. A pretty solid chance of an afternoon shower or thunderstorm about 50% 50% coverage area. Lows drop into the low 70s. Thursday we should see low 90s around 91 or 92. The probability of an afternoon storm goes down a little bit about a 1 in 3 coverage area with lows again in the low 70s. I'm Ryan Levoy for your Tiger Communications weather update.
5: Chevron cares for your car, no matter your driving needs. Remember to fuel up with quality Chevron gasoline with Tecron when driving to and from the big game or just around town. Chevron with Tecron delivers unbeatable cleaning power and unbeatable gas mileage. That's two unbeatables in one smart decision. And if you're missing a few items for your next meal or need a snack, stop by TK Chevron at West Pace today. They now have a grocery section with milk, cheese, breakfast biscuits, business- biscuits and more. Are you ready to express your individuality? Look no further than Against All Odds Tattoo and Piercing in Auburn. Our award-winning team of artists are here to bring your vision to life. From intricate designs to bold statements, we specialize in creating unique and personalized tattoos that capture your essence. At Against All Odds, we prioritize your safety and satisfaction. Our state-of-the-art studio follows strict hygiene protocols ensuring a clean and comfortable environment for your tattoo experience. Visit Against All Odds Tattoo and Piercing today at 1456 Opelika Road in Auburn. Open seven days a week. I'm Jeff Whitaker Jr., former Auburn Tigers defensive tackle and national champion, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
1: call, Tiger 95.9, Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, Brooks Childress with you here on this Wednesday. Hope everyone had a great Independence Day yesterday. I know I consumed too much food over the evening hours, Me too. as one does. Had a good, cheap meal. It was still not as good as Fogo de Chow this past weekend. <laughs> I'll tell you that for nothing. Man, oh, oh man.
4: man. I, I
1: just I want to go back, man. You've been spying well. back
4: to Fogo de Chow, <laughs> right?
1: Yeah, man, I just—I was eating lunch when you told me,
3: and it so made me more
5: top hungry. Top tier meat.
1: You—you <laughs> you were getting actively more hungry yeah. as you consume food. I—I I don't know, man. I don't. I don't need to get sidetracked. It's uh, <laughs>
4: like don't even get me started. Yeah, if
1: if if you ever need five minutes of just randomness and me not being focused, just go ahead and mention Fogo de Chao. For the near future, that will do it to me. But uh, as promised before this break, time for today's Birthdays in Sports. It's time for today's Birthdays in Sports. All right, Birthdays in Sports today, as we've got Johnny Rogers, who turns 72. For a wide receiver, Rogers was born in Omaha, Nebraska and was High School Athlete of the Year as a senior. Played college football at Nebraska. Corn. Where he broke several school and NCAA records, including setting the record for most all-purpose yards in a career with 5,586. He was a two-time All-American, one-time Heisman Trophy winner, and two-time national champion. His number 20 is retired by the Cornhuskers. Although he was drafted in the first round of the NFL draft by the Chargers in 1973, he signed with the Montreal Alouettes of the CFL three-time cfl all-star in four seasons two-time winner of the jack russell memorial trophy given to the most outstanding player of the cfl and he is a one-time Grey cup champion
3: it's important that you read the school before i say what i'm whatever the mascot is because corn is also my answer for iowa and iowa state
1: yes (laughs) but that's fair that region of the country i'm sure they would bicker about it. Uh, we have the real
3: corn or it's, something. But. It's like Dothan on a, on a... This is a smaller scale. Dothan dot. and Enterprise argue over who makes more peanuts like produces more peanuts <laughs> I used to when I, when I worked at football there was a lot of people somehow we had a pipeline of videographers on the football staff from Enterprise and there was a couple Dothan kids in there and they would argue all the time about who made more peanuts because Dothan has the, the peanut the festival Peanut
4: festival
1: been but, there a couple times but
3: Enterprise claims that the, per capita they produce more peanuts than Dothan does so, I'm like all right so man so
1: quantity for Dothan but per capita yeah the higher per
3: I guess for. so. I, I didn't get involved in it. I just sat in the back and listened to them yell at each other for a while.
4: Big observer guy
1: here yeah. at Brooks is. <laughs> well, that is Johnny Rogers, not a peanut maker. He's a corn husker, and he turns 72 today. Goose Gossage turned 72. Former, Talk to me. Former... M- oh, no. Former MLB pitcher, Gossage, was born in Colorado, was drafted out of high school by the White Sox in 1970, made his major league debut in 1972, where he became one of the earliest versions of the modern closer. Pitched for 22 seasons in the majors, setting several records, many of which still stand. Nine-time All-Star, three-time American League Saves leader, and one-time World Series champion while with the Yankees. He is a member of the Baseball Hall of Fame. Goose Gossage turned 72 today. James Lofton turned 67, former NFL wide receiver. Lofton was born in California and played college football as well as ran track at Stanford. Go Cardinal, tree. Uh, yeah, I was about to say go trees there. He's a one-time All-American football national champion in the long jump. Drafted six overall in the 1978 draft by the Green Bay Packers. Played 15 seasons in the NFL. Eight-time Pro Bowler, four-time All-Pro, member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. James Lofton turned 67 today. Megan Rapinoe turns 38, midfielder for the United States women's soccer team and the Seattle Reign. Rapinoe was born in California and played college soccer at the University of Portland. Uh, let's go Pilots. Indeed. In college, she was a one-time national champion, three-time All-American, one-time West Coast Conference Player of the Year. She began playing pro soccer in 2009, most known, however, for her work with the U.S. Women's National Team as she was then the captain for several teams or several years. Two-time Women's World Cup champion, also won the Golden Boot in the 2019 World Cup and getting set to participate in the 2023 World Cup in a matter of weeks.
3: You know, the worst thing about this World Cup is it's in New Zealand and everything's going to be at 3 a.m., and I'm going to have to wake up. I'm not going to stay up and watch it, even though the, the women's team is much more successful than the men's team. But I'm I'm just going to have to wake up and check the score. It's just, it's yeah. 3 a.m.
1: Yeah, I'm not staying up that late. Notice how you staying up instead I get up of then. getting up. I get up then. Well, then you can watch you it. You can watch it then. <laughs> I'm going to watch my eyelids that, if I yeah. can help it. That's why I'm going to watch. will
3: You know, who, who am I kidding? I'm going to be awake. The cat wakes me up every single night.
1: You should tell her not to do that. I try. She doesn't listen. be so rude. She is. You should put her She's in complete.
3: her.
1: And rude. Yeah, because but. Because you're trying to rude. sleep.
3: it, But then you see her little face, and you're like, oh, I can't be mad at you. you know, how's
1: this sound? <laughs> no, and next time she falls asleep, and, <laughs> it and, and doesn't you're work. awake, it doesn't yeah, work. but you slap her. And, well, I her not slap her. That's- softly. You see, a slap of love, a love slap.
3: A little, little love tap, wake yeah. her back up. You see, You're it like, doesn't hey, work because she kitty. sleeps so much. She sleeps so much, I can't stop her.
1: Don't keep doing it. See how she likes it. She was. she I'm trying scared. to get 12 hours I'll,
3: a day, knock it down to eight? You see, Brian, I'm scared of her revenge on me, though.
1: Oh, it don't matter. How's it going to get worse for you? you? You all of a sudden going to just, like, not be able to sleep? She's going to claw you? Maybe. I don't know. She's a cat. She might. I don't she like might. cats. I'm a dog guy. Anyway. Be a dog. Megan Rapinoe turns 38 today. <laughs> okay. Shohei Otani turns 29. Shohei! Hey. Pitcher and designated hitter for the Los Angeles Angels, also a member of Brooks Childress' fantasy baseball team. That's right.
3: Sunny oh. Gray's Anatomy <laughs> for the champ this year.
1: Otani was born in Japan and began playing baseball at a young age. Played five years professionally in Japan working as both a pitcher and designated hitter. In Japan, he was a five-time All-Star, one-time MVP, and one-time Japanese League champion. In 2018, he signed with the Angels and has continued to hit and pitch for the team. Three-time All-Star, four-time All-MLB selection, one-time Silver Slugger, one-time American League MVP, and one-time AP Athlete of the Year. In 2023, Otani led Japan to a win in the World Baseball Classic, which while was regrettable, he was certainly outstanding. And one player of the tournament, Shohei Ohtani, who just got in. Did you? Hang on. That's, the, that's birthday. Uh, I'll, it's got to bring. Shohei Ohtani turns 29 today. That's birthdays in sports. Johnny Rogers, 72. Goose Goss 72. James Lofton, 67. Megan Rapinoe, 38. And Shohei Ohtani, 29. Did you see what happened to the Angels yesterday?
3: No. Because they were on national yes. TV, too, didn't they? Weren't they? they were the, hold on. Again, they were the only game. On America's birthday, <laughs> that was on national TV, was the Angels and the Padres that night. Again, Rob Manfred. Rob Manfred. Now, they did do something good this year. Is they, they, they have a MLB.TV free um, free uh, trial that went from the third. That's going from the third to the sixth. So right now, every game on MLB.TV is free. So hes they kind of made it up, but still, national TV, you put one game on, Mer- on America's birthday, please. I don't want
1: to go on another side note after I'm already going on a side note, but I thought of an actual thing that Rob Manfred's done well, and I hesitate to even share it out loud or that Brooks might instantly dislike me. So. Now go ahead. I, go no, we'll it, see. No, go ahead. Do no, it. it do it. We brought it, it up. We're going to do the segment. Fine. They've actually made some positive changes to the game. Like as a whole. They with this with this time time clock, pitch clock, with the designated hitter in both leagues. It's actually improved some things. The offense has gone up without the time of game skyrocketing. Pitching is still doable like hitters still strike out all the time if they don't have an approach, but so it's still fair, but it's just allowed for a little more. Offense, And it's become a little more consumable, I feel like, to the average person. I forgot who I was talking to the other day, but someone was like, yeah, you know, I don't really – I hadn't really watched baseball much, but I watched him this year, and I enjoyed it a lot more. I don't remember who that was, but talking to somebody. And so I said, you know, that is kind of more of a Manford thing than anything because he's still the one that kind of is approving some of these rule changes. I don't love every rule. Again, I'm not saying like universally he's just done amazing things there. But I do think that he actually recognized that the game was falling further behind these other sports, and has actually made a few positive changes.
3: To Listen, That's what I was going to say. I'm not against giving people their their roses because uh, it, if I don't like them, because if I, you know there's some there's some people out there that I don't agree with. But if they you're good, if you do something good, I'm, I'm I, I agree. I think that this has done, done well to get, you know, more people. Because there's so many times I've, I keep forgetting that the pitch clock's a thing. <laughs> and so, like, you'll get a 6 o'clock game start on, like, you know, on ESPN or something. I'll get home. You know, we get off the air at 6. I'll get home about 6, you know, 6.30, Eat dinner. That takes about an hour. Uh, you know, after that, clean up dinner. That's, you know, 20 minutes. So you get to about 8 o'clock. And I'll be like, all right, time to settle in. Let's check in, you know, we're probably in the fifth inning. I'll check it. Huh, nope. Ninth or it's over. That that's what it's yeah. it's night it's the ninth eighth ninth inning or it's over I'm like wow, wow. that game's already over and so I, I do you know it it gives it a, it's a little more like you said ingestible for people that have not are not hardcore baseball fans that aren't just gonna sit up like I if the game is five hours long I'm sitting there watching a five hour baseball game. <laughs> But I know a lot of people out there don't like the length of it. And I know that's why the NFL is such you know is a lot more popular around the country than college football because college football seems to take you know three and a half out four hour football games. Meanwhile, NFL you know we we all watch three hours. Three hours is the three max. Three hours. And they're, they're <laughs> and they're getting done. Like if you go to an NFL game. You're, they are boom, boom, Three. boom. They're yep. moving things. They're, it is not. They're Every not time. sitting around. They're not waiting for you know CBS to have fifteen hundred commercial Dude. breaks. That's like boom. We're we're moved. So that you know, I I, I do appreciate uh, some of the some of the changes that he has made. Some of the things.
1: Yeah, no, are still stupid. indefensible. I mean, um, yeah.
3: And again, it's still awful.
1: Overall, it's still bad. I just said I finally thought of something. There's a little that, like, bit of a light, a and
3: for. we can't give him too much credit. So again, on your nation's birthday, the <laughs> game that is the 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 game that is you know American America's pastime, one national TV game, one, one national TV game. Jake Brooks, you. It soda. is.
1: Uh... <laughs> 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 Wait, what did you just say? I missed that. <laughs> I said Jake's Yomi is soda. dumb. Oh.
4: <laughs> Brooks, well, it's okay. I'll let you live right now. All
3: right. I was, I, I was legitimately not going to talk for the rest of the show
4: <laughs> I could tell you were serious about it he's got
1: jinxed on a Rob Manfred segment thanks Rob Manfred
3: I pull, we, me and Grace this is another sidebar story me and Grace were driving from Pensacola to Dothan she lived in Dothan a couple years ago and that's about a three hour drive just past Pensacola I, we, we both said something at the same time I said jinx you owe me a soda she didn't talk until we got off the exit in Florida that goes up to Dothan, and oh then we she gosh. she pointed to the gas station, uh, and she showed me. A, you know, she wrote a message in her app said, "We need, you know, we need to stop here." She walks inside, a couple minutes later, I you know I'm done filling up. She walks out, hands me a soda, and I'm like, "All right." And then she starts talking again. We take it very <laughs> we take Jinx very seriously in the shoulders household. I
4: love that. I love
1: that. Oh, you t- yeah. No, you have a lot of fun fun games like that, and not as fun when you. Oh, someone a soda. No,
3: but, or um, when you can't talk on a radio show for <laughs> I had to a say. while. Yeah,
1: no, you're, yeah, you're good, <laughs> I didn't man. I think he, he was actually he, gonna
3: stop talking.
1: He, he, as soon as I realized, I was like, I have to say it. his
4: name. Yep.
1: Yeah, he always does the thing where he uh, he hits the top of the the car if they're going through if he's going through a yellow light.
3: Practicing, Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yellow light game. Yeah, he's if anybody ever rides with me and Grace at the same time, you'll find out what the yellow light game is. So, she stopped playing because I've gotten too good at it.
1: Oh, rough. Rough for her. I know. Seems like she needs to have a good off-season workout. And,
4: yeah.
3: And I get, get my reps in every it. single day. <laughs> not, uh, listen, to police officers out there everywhere, not that I'm cutting yeah. things close.
4: He runs red lights. Yeah, yeah no I don't.
3: Like, All Can the I time. get there? And I don't.
4: I just saw him doing it the other day. That, Maybe he parks it in the
1: intersection <laughs> until it's yellow. And then yeah, I do. Go,
3: go, yeah. go. <laughs> Floor it. People are honking See what my me.
1: zero to sixties like these days. But no, what I was going to bring up five minutes ago <laughs> <laughs> with Otani what, and the Angels, if you saw... Is he in the lineup? He's in the lineup. Thing? What I was going to say with Otani and the Angels yesterday, it's just a calamity of them. Calamity oh, yeah. of them. Before the game, Mike Trout. Mike Trout goes on yeah. the, the injured list. So Trout, Trout goes on the injured list. And did you see which, the
3: play he got hurt on the night before?
1: I his hand, right? Did. It, yeah. it, was, a it very, was just a swing, it was it? Yeah,
3: There was nothing wrong, like nothing like looked weird or anything. He just swung, stepped over the plate, and started shaking his hand. And You're like, <laughs> oh, no.
4: So the yearly trout injury hits. <laughs> yeah. And
3: it, well, now. 10-day
4: on uh, No so, specified turn. Right.
1: So that's before yeah. the game. They say multiple weeks. Anthony Rendon, who I don't think has been healthy since leaving Washington. Rendon gets injured early in the game. He's he. They paid like 160 million for him to not play, and now he's not going to play some more. Maybe right. he's back in line. I don't know. But he he left the game yesterday, mm-hmm. and then Otani comes out of the game in the sixth inning with a blister, which granted is not going to be some long Little deal. World, it's yeah. just it, he probably won't pitch the All-Star game. He might miss a start. So it's not like it's, you know, going to prohibit him from succeeding the rest of the year. But your three highest paid <sighs> players. I don't know if Rendon's their third most important player because he's just not been there much. But ideally, you're paying for them to be the three most important players. And they all got injured within 24 hours of each other.
3: And Otani's on the last year of his contract.
1: Yeah, not to yeah. mention the bit where, like, you need to you win need to, to win. convince Otani to, yeah, to like we can still do this thing. Because they've not. Yeah. Trout's still only played in one playoff series, and I don't think Otani's played in any I playoff series. So... That part of it's rough. I just don't see. When we got a deep dive in this. We don't need to do a complete deep dive, but I don't see how. I, I should say I see. I see it because the Angels are in a playoff position right now. If this thing goes bad the next three weeks and they drop to 500 below, He's I don't know, there. man. I He's think I trade him. Trade him if, if, oh, wow. if you. I, I think like a GM though. I know the fans would hate it. If you you only huh. the Angels really know this. If there's not a legitimate chance that he's going to resign, back, yeah. and you're not going to make the playoffs, the why assets. would you keep him? Yeah, get asked. What are you doing for, for sure. sixty games? For sure. You know. Sure. I mean, i seriously no, like no. I know the fans will absolutely hate you, and I I and get it. But like, if you let. We're we talking about these crazy contract figures. My hands are going everywhere in the studio. It's just like a big old it's everywhere. Right if you're going to talk about, which we have, the mass amounts of money, the record money he's going to make, can you not get someone to give you a record haul of prospects or players? Absolutely. Anthony Rendon's
3: sitting out. By the
1: way, Rendon is dead. Okay. So <laughs> the the thing is is you've still got Trout for a long period of time. Right. He signed a deal that's going to yeah, make him an angel in. forever unless yeah. you trade him, and right. he might even have no trade. I mean, he's, it's an insanely large contract. <laughs> like, so I'm not saying phone this in and suck. I'm saying get something. For, if you're going to lose him, get something that can make you hang in there for right. the Trout year so that Trout doesn't ask out too. Right, Because he can still ask for a trade one day, even though he's under contract. That has happened all the time in the NBA. Sign a deal, get traded a year later is galore yeah. in the NBA oh right gosh, now. All you don't want to lose Trout, too. Trout's been your dude for eight, nine years. Right. And I know Otani's even better than Trout because he can pitch. But if you internally are honest with yourself and you're like, there's only like a 10% chance or something really low, if it's 50-50, fine, go for it. Try and keep Otani. It's a huge deal try and keep him. But if it's some minuscule chance, trade him. You'll get three incredible prospects plus a couple of big league players that you could put in the lineup right then. It's like yeah. get something real. Yeah. The Angels haven't pitched worth a crap in years. Yeah,
4: make it worth it. Like since leash. Jared Weaver. Right. To go get two, uh, have they two pitched quality. at all? Yeah, to get, yeah so, two quality bullpen guys and maybe a bat or two. Easy for me, the, the not
1: a fan of the Angels to say this. Like, who are you to say this? Well, I'm the same guy that was fine with, with Swanson walking. I'm the same guy that understood the Freeman bit. I didn't like the Freeman bit, but I understood it. Because I, I think like that, and that's, you've got to think in terms of business. That is an asset to you. It's almost you like do- you're a
4: business major. Oh,
1: yeah, <laughs> I was. I was indeed. You don't want to lose an asset like that for nothing. Now, again, he is worth so much to you. If it's 50-50, 40-60, 50, whatever, then I get it. Try and re-sign him. But just be honest with yourself. Try and get something out of his representation. You are allowed to have a conversation that says, hey, what is it going to take for you to resign here? We're not even trying to talk numbers. I'm just saying, like, you give us yeah. a real like, what real honesty uh, here. Yeah. And if it's like, honestly, I'm tired of you guys sucking. And I want to make my money and win some games, which is fair for him to say. Yeah, absolutely. Then get something for him so that you can not have to say goodbye to Trout, too. Because you think fans are going to get mad or attendance get dips a little bit of Otani leaves? Oh, wait until Trout's gone, too. Wait till he goes fishing, okay? I'll tell you what. That's going to be yeah.
4: awful yeah, if you change. lose both those guys. Yeah. That, that's going to be absolutely terrible. I, I couldn't even imagine. So, happy birthday, Shohei. Happy um, birthday, Shohei.
3: My, you know, if you, you look at moving an asset like Shohei Otani, you, you have to think about which teams would be willing to do it. You know who I'd be scared that would be willing to do it? The Mets, the New York Mets. Yeah, because the Mets. they've got That's the assets. They've got the assets that they could give, and you're in the New York market, and you can you can feasibly sell Shohei Otani on. Hey, we can win. Look, we we you know we're having a bad year this year, but we're going to change managers, and we're you know we're going to come back next year, and we're we've still got. You're you're going to join a staff with Verlander, and Scherzer, and you. And we're you know we're going to give up a couple guys you know maybe give up you know like a Francisco Lindor or somebody, uh you know a couple couple of the the hitter you know your your lineup but if you add the bat of Otani into that, you can ve- you could feasibly sell them that we could be winners.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and, that, and the, that, the effort's clearly there. As
3: a as a Braves fan as a baseball fan looking at that what that potential lineup could be, just makes you just pee a little. If you were... Okay. As a as a Braves fan,
1: it does the same. They're so far back, though. That's what I would say for this year. Now, if they make a wild card, that we could see them in the playoffs. But they, they're not making up 19 games. True. I'm just, I I'm not trying to be Sal Licata <laughs> up there in New it's York. It's over. Right. But I'm not saying the division's quite over. The Marlins and Phillies, it's not impossible. It's just unlikely. The Mets aren't going to be the ones to do it. The Mets could still make a wild card spot. They ain't doing it. I had more Otani questions. It still fascinates me, like mark, like teams that should actually target them a trade. And do you care if you're a one and done, like if you're Milwaukee and CC Sabathia from 15 years ago? But we're out of time. So uh, out of time for hour number two. Stay tuned. A lot more sports call ahead in hour number three. A little bit more on recruiting maybe a little bit more baseball, and much more. Stay tuned. Sports Call returns after this. Welcome back to Sports Call. Tiger 95.9, hour number three, getting underway. Here on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm or the Tiger Communications app. Fun first couple of hours. Again, Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and Cam Barry with you here this afternoon. TP Hammock running the board, taking your phone calls for us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Had a couple great guests in the first hour from the world of motorsports. Had Craig Russ, the president of mid Ohio sports car course, and had brandon hutchinson the executive vice president and general manager of atlanta motor speedway if you miss any of that you can go back and check it out on the sports call podcast brought to you by coca-cola if you ever miss sports call live or if you want to hear something again make sure you go back and listen to our show on demand wherever you get your podcast join ice cold coca-cola to go along with the hottest sports talk coca-cola taste the feeling So, hour number three starting right now. The other side of that break, we were talking some baseball. I want to get back into, at least briefly here, for those just joining for the first time, again, the recruiting news. Probably the most substantial recruiting news of the summer, I think even more so than the commitment of Joseph Phillips, just because this is one of the top three targets uh, that Auburn has had. And, of course, not going their way, at least for now, Cam Coleman, the five-star wide receiver, out of central Phoenix City, committing to Texas A&M despite a uh, recruiting prediction machine number of 93.4% on On3 in favor of Auburn. This is why we can't trust machines. Correct. You know? Correct. Um, Or the people inputting them, inputting the information. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Uh, Down
3: with AI. uh,
1: I
4: support this.
1: Again, a... A pretty disappointing uh, sequence there for Auburn Uh, the number 10 overall player in the on three industry ranking and as high as number eight according to ESPN actually excuse me number six in the on three and just their individual stuff number eight in ESPN's ranking so a five-star guy clearly Ray is one of the top couple wide receivers in the game and uh, again very disappointing for Auburn for now Again, we tend to treat Auburn's commitments as, okay, let's talk a little bit about them and talk a little bit about how uh, these guys are going to factor in, knowing that it's still possible that those guys decommit at some point. So it's still possible that we're not done here with this um, Cam Coleman situation. I think that, as you guys said, we talked a little bit about in hour number two, play on the field will matter. Uh, I don't necessarily think, to restate some points from hour number two, that it is maybe Auburn's performance as much as it could be Texas A&M's performance. Now, could there be a third-team sneak here at some point? Maybe. And then that would be relevant. But if A&M has another bad year... I just can't fathom them yeah. getting the guys that they're slated to getting. They also might be for the simple reason it might they might have to finally part from Fisher if they have another disastrous year. I know the the buyout is still laughably <laughs> large and and that sort of thing. And but you you can try to write off one bad season. It would be very hard to write off two consecutive bad seasons, and so that would be a different animal. And he might not even be there if they play. I mean, again, the Petrino hire, again, is kind of a desperation hire. I know he has the credentials to be well more than a coordinator in this sport. But still, with the controversies he's been through and the personality he is, how that would clash with Jimbo Fisher, you got to think that this might not be over, if for no other reason just because the performance could be so poor – at A&M, if things go wrong again, that they might have to change coaches and, and have a whole deal there.
4: Yeah, they do run run the risk of that, um, you know, just a, a switch in coaching regime, and, and that's where Auburn would really get or just a lack of performance. That's where uh, Hugh Freeze and Auburn would absolutely be able to come in and capitalize and and say, well, this is what Texas A&M was doing, and as long as, you know, Hugh Freeze in year one and Auburn performs – then absolutely they'll be able to, um, you know, kind of slide in there, maybe, able, maybe be able to take Cam Coleman and, and get him to flip uh, because it is a long, you know, recruiting is, for the most part, it's a marathon all the way up until, you know, the time comes to for the player to get on campus. So you have plenty of opportunity to uh, flip him, get him, you know, maybe thinking a little bit more. And, again, you know, like I said before, he's in your backyard. So, um You'll have plenty of opportunity to see him. Plenty of opportunity to uh, really, you know, get in his head and and you know, wine and dine him, do whatever you do, do do what you're doing with Perry Thompson. There's plenty of time to kind of figure that out. So, um, if you're Auburn, you're not too worried about this. Obviously, you you hate that he didn't commit to you to begin with, but that doesn't mean that you're absolutely out of it.
3: You see, uh, the thing is, is uh, with with Texas A&M. Uh, specifically for them, it's it feels like e- if, you know even if they have another bad year uh, this coming year, I, I don't know how far down you go in recruiting uh, unless you don't do anything with Jimbo. I, I think that if you if you take a step back the, another step back this year, if you if the the boosters at Texas A&M and the and the the administration down there don't move on from Jimbo. Uh, that's when you're gonna. You would. I think you could possibly see a step step back. I. I think if if the, you take a step back this year, and uh, on the field, and you do get rid of Jimbo with that massive buyout, which I'm sure you know there's enough money to to throw at them to to get him out of there. Uh, if you get the right coach, or you get an, another you know coach in there that's kind of does what Hugh Freeze is doing here at Auburn. I don't know if there, with with that type of energy and the money at Texas A&M, I don't know how much of a a step back you you take if you're Texas A&M, which you know, which is a different story. But I think for for this for this uh, commitment here, if you're Auburn, he's right down the road. He's he's in your backyard quite literally. You were in the battle for him. You were you were very much a a top contender for him. Um, if you can, you know, continue to work on him through the fall, get him on campus. You, you've got a chance to get him on campus a couple times for, you know, unofficial visits and stuff like that. And then maybe your, your NIL group, the, you know, on to victory, whatever, can sweeten the deal a little bit. Uh, it, you, you've got the chance to, like you guys have said, you've got the chance to flip him because it's still a long process. It, it's not signing day today. So you, it's, it's still a, a ways out. And even if it was signing day today, you know, you still got, you know, maybe he goes, maybe someone, you know, you, you lose a, a recruit, they go to the campus, they see they don't really like it, guess what? They're probably in the transfer portal pretty quick. And so it, it's, uh, there, there's so many different avenues right now for you to still, you know, build your team here for, for Auburn. Uh, in the future and it with with this particular one it, it like you you guys have said it's not the end of the road a commitment is it, we everybody knows and you know it, it when you see the that graphic get down on social media say I'm committed 100% committed you're like oh. all right you meant you're like man yeah. and you're like, all right well no, no. sure well,
1: you're 100% committed 100 for now. minus it, like 18% right? it, minus 12% it's right.
3: like losing a game in the in the major league baseball season like you you see you're like oh yeah. Well, we'll try again, yeah, and, again and you, you still got a chance to win the series. So,
1: yeah, I, look, Jimbo Fisher in his time at A and M now, thirty-nine and twenty-one, twenty-three and eighteen in the SEC. If he were to repeat last year, now the overall record is not going to change too much around five hundred. But if he were to repeat last year, which was two and six in the league, then that would be twenty-five and twenty-four. Overall in league play, I mean that would be essentially 500 for a coach that's being paid, you know, top five money in, in the country, and you know it is really difficult to sell that to. I'm not I'm talking the recruiting aspect of it. It's difficult to sell that on the board at that point. It's going to be difficult to sell just being able to retain his job. Right. And I think that
4: not worth it.
1: Again, you can try and make an argument. All right, last year was just a, a bad year. It was everything hit the fan, everything that could go wrong did, and you can try and make that argument. I'm not saying it's a great argument. I'm saying you can follow that logic. The other years at A m for there, nine and four, eight and five, nine and one. 8-4. So, yes, technically no 10-win seasons, although I think we have to be careful of that in the context because 2020, they were 9-1. and one. They only lost one game. All the games were obviously league games, except for their bowl game against North Carolina. That was clearly going to be a 10- or 11-win team. So, say, oh, no, 10-win seasons. Right. Okay, yes, but that is a misleading uh, number there when we're talking about a season in which only 10 games were played and only nine in the regular season. So I, or, or I guess they had a game drop then because actually we everyone played 10 games that year. so I don't know, I guess they had a game postponed or canceled that year. but but nevertheless, nine and one would have become a double digit season. So that was a truly great season. That season had them finishing in the top five of the country. That season would have been a playoff season in 2024 and beyond. But the other three years, there were eight and nine win teams, and then last year was the five and seven. So, do you get back to eight, nine wins where you can pitch that you're on the rise? Or do you have another clunker five and seven? And that will be the question for them. Their schedule this year, got to double check the East teams, but... No one around them in the West, to me, took a marketable step back. Who would have taken a step back other than Mississippi State, who was still in a low place to begin with? You know, so, I mean, like, sure, you can tell me State's not as good. All right, does that matter a whole lot, though, when you've still got Alabama, you've got LSU, who's automatically good? So looking at A&M's schedule this year, it's at Miami, is their big non-conference game. That's going to be difficult. Their, west, or their East games are in back-to-back games with a bye week in between them at Tennessee. Right. That's not a good one to have. <laughs> no. And then they host South Carolina. That's fine. But South carolinas loss.
4: They're on the up and up. Yeah. South yeah.
1: Carolina, did they beat them last year? Might have beat them last year. It's, Did uh, they play South Carolina? I think that's the, their, that's, that's all the all constant the one because oh, yes. Tennessee's constant, Alabama. Right, right. So I, I think I think they lost South Carolina. Yeah, thirty last to twenty-four. Year. So I yeah. already lost to them once. Now they do get them at home, but I don't see why South Carolina be worse than last year. So A&M needs to improve. Right. So the moral of the story is, without breaking down the whole schedule, there's nothing that makes you inherently think they're going to be better. Uh, by schedule. They're not going to get more freebies. They're going to have to improve themselves. That's how they have a better record. We're going to go to our first timeout of our number three. When we come back, we'll hit the Auburn Bank phone line. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
0: Sports Call will be back after this quick break. Let's get back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Feel free to give us a call at 334-887-3401 or toll free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9.
1: Welcome back to Sports Call Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, Cam Got some summer league action on in the studio. And uh, Brandon Miller's already committed, what, four fouls, that said, in seven minutes?
3: fouls in under seven minutes. Four, and
1: he's got like three turnovers already. (laughs) He does know there's still, I mean, I know the summer league there is not a limit, or it's like eight or something like that. I was going to say, I
3: was wondering
4: what the limit was, because he did get seven fouls, and I was telling Ben about that, and uh, he was like, how do you get seven fouls? At some
1: point, he'll have to not slap somebody to to continue to get to play minutes. So I hope he is aware of that (laughs) at some point. But, uh, yeah, watching Hornets and Warriors NBA summer league going on. Right now, let's, let's go to the Auburn Bank phone line now, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 9 tiger First up here in the hour number three, James from Montgomery. James is with us. James, how are you doing today? I'm good, and War Eagle.
8: War Eagle. Yeah, did y'all hear about a lot of ESPN uh, sports analysts uh, getting fired from uh, the ESPN uh, family network?
1: Yeah, that's something that we hit on a, a little bit on Friday as that was when the majority of those layoffs came. And there's some really big, uh, talented people, uh, people that had been at the network for a long time like Susie Colber, uh, who had anchored NFL coverage, uh, someone like Todd McShay, who was big into the NFL draft side of things, Jalen Rose in basketball, and uh, uh Ellis for college basketball david David Pollock in the college football side of things seemed like they let go of one or two people from really kind of every side of it and uh, it was very sad to see some very talented people go
8: yeah because you know with some of the uh some with some of those people that had been there with e s p n since you know for years on their on their um you know on their business contract like uh max Kellerman. Uh, Stephen A. Smith is another. He's going to be leaving uh, sometime uh, Thursday. So he has – he's on today. So he'll be on today, tomorrow, Wednesday, and Thursday. But he won't be on Friday's uh, show uh, this week or next week. So he will not be with ESPN anyway um, anymore. So – and then my my main guy that I've been watching for years – uh, that I've learned so much from in, um, in watching uh, this uh, sports anchor, uh, sports uh, person that covers a lot of baseball, uh, Mad Dog. I, I, I think, you know, they don't need to pull the plug on him because I learned everything from him as well. He's a really good guy. I think uh, ESPN should just leave him where he's at right now.
1: Well, I have good news for you. He has not been fired. He is uh, he is still at ESPN as far as I'm aware. He was not one of the, the names listed on Friday or, or Monday or anything like that. And I, I think one more name came out earlier today, but it was not uh, Chris Mad Dog Russo. So he's still there.
8: Yeah, because uh, with him, I I actually learn a lot from him. So he's like my he's like my uh, teacher in a way. So whenever he's on, I'm like sitting there like listening to his commentating, and I'm thinking like, okay, this is the guy that I need to learn from. This is the guy that I need to learn all of my sports. Uh, information from and see how he actually talked about sports because I actually think um, I'm thinking like if I was a a sports analyst for ESPN, me and him will be talking about sports 24 seven as well.
1: Fascinating. Yeah. I mean, he, uh, he's definitely got a big personality and he, uh, he does yell a good bit, but, uh, yeah, he's been on MLB network for a long time and then has been on ESPN for a few years now. So, definitely very aware of him, but I uh, have not always heard him as maybe one of the most prominent people in the uh, sports opinion world, but uh, very interesting.
8: Yes, as well, because I know with some of the uh, ladies that I've actually seen on ESPN, like uh, Stacey uh, Steele, uh Her last name I can't pronounce. Um, It's so hard to pronounce her last name, so i just say her first name, uh, Stacy, as well. Um, Malika Andrews is one. Um, I've seen her cover uh, WNBA and NBA for um, multiple times of multiple cases. And uh, Kenny Perkins, one of the greatest NBA basketball stars in his uh, career when he played back in his young years. They've showed a couple of highlights um, of Kenny, you know, playing in the NBA, so I think he'll stay as well. Because with his great NBA knowledge, there's no other person like Kenny that would talk about NBA all day long.
1: Yeah, you're right. There's no other person quite like him. You know, I I, I must say, James, I, I'm not as big of a Kendrick Perkins fan. I. I uh, I think his uh, I don't know I think his takes can come from a little bit of bias from his playing days and don't always uh, see his uh, his side of it but I know he is getting promoted with ESPN with these other layoffs of people like Jalen Rose departing mm-hmm. from the network so he is getting a more prominent role and uh, yeah I know that he was on some good teams he didn't necessarily always play a lot on some of those teams like he was on the 2015 Cavs team for instance that lost to the Warriors in the finals but uh Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, no, he's uh, definitely going to be a more prominent figure at ESPN going forward.
8: Yes, as well. And then with the NFL uh, season uh, right around the corner with uh, opening up with the 2023 uh, Hall of Fame enshrinement ceremony game, um, do you think that Aaron Rodgers might have a chance of actually winning the Hall of Fame uh, game this year as well? Because I know he's looking kind of, slow in his um in his mini camps as well, but I'm not quite sure if it's his age that tells it, but I, I don't I don't see other people see uh the Jets winning a Super Bowl. I, I don't see the New York Jets or the Giants or the Jaguars or the Kansas City Chiefs uh winning a Super Bowl in twenty twenty four. I don't see none of those teams actually winning a Super Bowl. Maybe they can uh, win a playoff game this year, but I don't see none of those teams uh, winning a Super Bowl this year.
1: Oh, wow. So you've kind of uh, changed up opinion a little bit because I remember, James, you had uh, the Jets in the Super Bowl uh, as recently as a week or two ago, but you've kind of had a change of heart there. Mm-hmm.
8: Yes, because it is. You know, when it's uh, mini camp weekend, you might see some uh, some injuries, some key injuries. You might see some people being cut from the team, and that slows down the. um, It it slows down the, the the team itself as well because mini camp you can get injured before the season starts, and they'll put you like when the mini camp season is over they'll put you on the ir list and for a lot of uh, fantasy owners that makes us look bad as well we don't want like the fantasy owners that play fantasy football we don't want any we don't want any nfl player on our on the injured list because that will bring the uh, property value down on our teams as well
1: oh, are we talking housing at the end i mean that. uh i mean yeah i mean i think that's uh, obviously, you, you lose some guys to injury, then the team's going to be affected. But also, I guarantee you those teams don't want those guys to be injured, and it's going to hurt them too. So uh, I don't think it's a, a light thing that they, they have to put some of those guys on on uh, injured reserve there. But also, that's why some people hold their fantasy drafts a little bit later, maybe the week before the season starts, instead of kind of out, out in the summer to kind of guard against some of that sort of thing.
8: Yes, as well, because I'm actually waiting on um, after the fantasy football draft, I'm actually just going to pick guys at random, like I've been doing for the past six, seven, or eight years in, in uh, fantasy football. So I'm going to just pick those guys at random as well.
1: How many uh, fantasy championships have you won, James? Just curious. Um, I actually, um, I would have
8: to say in my past, uh, fantasy championships. I actually won only two.
1: Okay, that's still two more than me, though. So I think you're, I think you're doing okay. But maybe you'll find a third championship this year.
8: Yeah. So these these last two were were really really old uh fantasy uh, championships. These were back like in twenty, uh, tw- uh two, uh, 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 uh two thousand and nine, two thousand and eight. 2008 and 2009. So it has been. It's been some some uh, some uh, mistakes I've made in those years as well. Because I've had in 2009, I had Tony Romo. 2008, I had um, uh, Ezekiel Elliott. I had uh, D.J. Metcalf. I had uh, Deshaun Watson before his before the court allegations. I had Deshaun Watson as my backup quarterback. I've had the um, uh, called hard men. I had a I had a great team back then. So I'll just see if I'm gonna get a good team this year.
1: Yeah, that sounds like uh, probably 2018 rather than 08 with some of those guys in there. But uh, yeah, no searching for your third victory, and we'll see if uh, that happens for you. What else is on your mind before we let you go today, James?
8: Well, I'm actually going to be looking at the. Um, Selection show for the uh, Home Run Derby, for the T-Mobile Home Run Derby, and uh, seeing some great guys that I'm actually going to be seeing uh, next Tuesday as well.
1: Yeah, we uh, we saw a couple of Atlanta Braves decline the invite in Matt Olson and Ronald Acuna Jr., so I know Pete Alonzo of the Mets is going to try and win, I believe, his third Home Run Derby, and I'm sure there'll be some uh, fun, powerful hitters in there, too.
8: Yes, as well because I know these are the guys that I actually picked for uh, playing in the home run derby but I picked some uh Texas Rangers uh players in there as well. I picked um one um New York Yankees uh player. Um I picked so many guys at random so I'm gonna just see if um if these guys I pick that I picked on the list, I'm gonna see if these guys are gonna play on, on next Tuesday as well.
1: Were you a big Josh Hamilton fan when he had a big home run derby from the Rangers? I-
8: uh, yes, I was. I was actually um, a big uh, fan of him, of his work as well for the Texas Rangers because when I when I actually jumped on the Texas Rangers bandwagon, it was, um, it was it was like around I should say 20 two, 2003 when I actually jumped on the bandwagon. I was on their uh, bandwagon in 2003, and um, I. Been riding
1: with the Texas Rangers ever since. Oh, that's yeah. They you saw them go to a, a World Series there, and uh, we always loved uh, loved watching Mark Teixeira play for the for the Rangers before he came to the Braves, and then later to the Yankees. So the Rangers have absolutely had some fun players. I guess you saw a year or two of A Rod there, then before he uh, went to the Yankees. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes,
8: I actually did see um, Alex Rodriguez from uh, the the New York Yankees. He did play with the Texas Rangers. And, um, you know, it, it was really a really moment to see some people, some of those great players playing with my Texas Rangers as well.
1: Absolutely. Any final thoughts for us today, James, before we start to wrap up the show and, and uh, get off air today? Um, I don't have any final thoughts.
8: For y'all today, but I'll probably uh, do some uh, some good trivia for uh, tomorrow. So i just uh, have to dig in my uh, trivia uh, treasure case and uh, see what I can pull out.
1: Yeah, last time you requested a 1950s muscle car trivia. and Sorry that we couldn't quite get that to you, but uh, just let us know, uh, I guess, on Twitter tomorrow. We'll try and get something going for you. All right. Sounds good. And War Eagle. War Eagle. And it's James from Montgomery joining us on the Auburn Bang phone line. We're going to go to our next timeout today. More sports call right after this.
0: has been on the air since 1995. I'm Corey Grant, former Auburn football and NFL running back, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
1: The Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, Ryan Lavoy, Camberry, and Brooks Schilders with you here on this Wednesday. Appreciate TP Hammock for running the board the last couple of hours. Our TP. intern that you've heard a couple of times on the show, and that you'll hear a few more times throughout the summer. Starting to run a little bit low on time. We talked in the first segment of this hour, and also a little bit at the four o'clock hour about Cam Coleman, about some of the things going on. Recruiting-wise for Auburn, Auburn did ultimately, despite not getting Cam Coleman, at least for now, again continuing to use that tag, Auburn was able to land a three-star recruit yesterday on the 4th of July in the form of linebacker out of Clay Chonkful, D'Angelo Barber. Also in the Auburn football universe, it's been a very successful marketing campaign this offseason as Auburn last week broke the record for most season tickets sold and today announced that they have officially sold out of season tickets. I don't know if it's the first time they've ever sold out. The logic would say if they broke the record before selling out, they would be then selling out But for the first time, but I don't think that's necessarily true. I think they've made more available in recent right. years than right. maybe in the past. But the exact number... 63,500 season tickets sold. You do the math there. There, excuse me. 87,451 can fill Jordan-Hare Stadium, uh, or at least seat-wise. And so, rough math there. Only about 24,000 seats remain. And uh, remember, some of those go to students. Several thousand, as a matter of fact. And so, uh, several thousand more will technically be season tickets for the students. And also read that the Georgia game, in its totality, is already sold out. So individual tickets already gone there. A little surprised the Iron Bowl did not go before the Georgia game, but nevertheless Georgia earlier in the season. So uh, maybe maybe yeah, that's maybe part that, of it. Maybe that
4: is a part of it for sure.
1: So anyway, Auburn setting uh, great uh, records here in the ticket sales department, kind of matching the enthusiasm of a fan base that uh, just fills like the team and the programs moving in a positive direction again, not necessarily that it's in some incredible place. Cause right. there's still a lot of work to do, but uh, again, fan excitement throughout this summer has continued to increase and season tickets kind of bear that out.
4: Yeah. People are excited. Uh, I mean, and it's showing through, through the ticket sales, uh, Having it completely sold out, um, the tickets that are available—that's that's big time for sure. A um, lot of excitement. Hugh Freeze has really Hugh Freeze and and everybody that's been marketing him and and everything that's been going on—they've been doing a really good job. Uh, they've got the fan base kind of really um, back into being interested in uh, in football and and wanting to and thinking this team can succeed, thinking this team. Um, will be successful in the long run. I mean, man, that's a lot of season tickets, uh, and they'll they'll be um, really, really exciting. Um, hopefully, hopefully it turns into a good season, so we'll see. Jordan Hare will absolutely be packed, though. That's what we know for a fact. Absolutely, and again with... Uh, look. I how many would you 30. estimate would be
1: the the student tickets? That's what I was trying about?
3: to look, and I, I don't. There's nowhere 10, that I can 000? find, and it, it feels like. I mean, it, it feels Eight. like it, but it, I don't know if it's. It, it, that's a pretty big student section right. if you think about it.
1: It's twenty yard, twenty to twenty-five yard line, and then around to Almost about the, the fifth, midway uh, point in the end zone. Uh, yeah. because uh, the the fraternity sit about twenty-five yard line. Yeah. And then it wraps around behind where the band is, and then uh, to the to the middle of the end zone. I don't know. Again, eight ten thousand somewhere in there would be my rough guess. I would think so too. So not that means you know not an incredible amount of single game tickets available uh, for the for the majority of the season. Once you factor in those, probably ten fifteen thousand or less. And obviously, like we said, uh, for the Georgia game um, already completely sold out. So. Again, go ahead and get on those single game tickets if you uh, think you want to go, or li- or at least you're going to be on the secondary market, paying uh, paying double and triple, especially if the team ends up being good this year. We have time for one more phone call today on the Auburn Bank phone line 887 one locally or toll free one triple eight nine tiger nine. Next up today, Jeff from Columbus. Jeff joins us. Jeff, how are you doing today?
7: Doing good, guys. How are you all?
1: Doing well. Doing guys, well.
7: I hope you had a good day, y'all. Man, uh, surely somebody would let the cat out of the bag on this NIL stuff. I mean, with all these... Somebody's got to write the checks, right? Yes. Somebody's got to be able to tell her. I mean, put my wife in charge of one, and I guarantee you the cat would be out of the bag. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Okay? Because so... Texas A&M is definitely an NIL I mean, because, I mean, uh, there are other schools that have better quarterbacks, better, better, you know, uh, I, I, what, what should I say? A better opportunity for a receiver of his caliber, right? Right. Uh, even if it's not Auburn, right? Or it, it's Ohio State. or Why not go to uh, USC, right? Let, uh, What's his name?
1: Lincoln Chief, Riley. The Heisman
7: Trophy. Winner. Oh, Caleb Williams. Yeah, no. I, Caleb Williams throw you the ball, right? So my thing is, somebody mentioned uh million dollars, right? So is that the offering price now? I mean, why would this guy commit? Okay, surely they're not going to pay him a million dollars right now just for committing.
1: Yeah, and no, I mean, certainly nothing would happen until he, he signed and, and actually arrived on campus. I think that the best I know is that even these three- and four-star guys or lower fours are probably getting a couple hundred thousand to go to these big schools, somewhere in there. Okay. And, and then... You're kidding me. And, Yeah. Really? And then um, I would say that the five-star guys, it can be, it can be very case-by-case, case, but... A million dollars is probably even low balling some of the biggest ones.
7: That's so unreal. It's hard to imagine. It is. I'm yeah. just trying to think back when I was 17 or 18 years old. You know, my parents would have said, "Yeah, sign there, right?" <laughs> but, yes. but
4: like
7: you, but, but like you say, uh, I mean, with a million dollars, seriously, if you're a middle income family with a million dollars, you won't have to work again.
1: Right, you're you not know, middle income anymore. A lot of that,
7: yeah, exactly. But you don't have to spend it all. If you're smart enough, you won't have to work. So, um, uh, but uh, I was just wondering, okay, if he's not guaranteed that money right now, he had not produced anything, right? Right. So, basically, he's saying, that. why would he sign on July 4th, okay, when he hadn't played the senior year? He doesn't know what the teams are going to do, you know, he doesn't know what Texas A&M's going to do, what Auburn's going to do, or something like that. So why would he even sign or say he signed, right? Would it be extortion just to get more money? Well,
1: I mean, I don't think that he, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think he can sign until signing day. I, I'm not sure that But they're... I mean, I guess when I get...
7: Well, can he sign an NIL contract?
1: Now, that he could sign, yes. um, But I assume that it would be bound to something. I mean, it would be a horrific contract or a horrific agreement if you didn't even make the kid play it down or have a practice or something in your uniform. I mean, you can't, yeah.
7: Well, and and I guess that's what I'm saying about somebody has, has got to let the cat out of the bag. Somebody's got to let us know how this system works. And I can't believe that all the football players, all the people with the money, all the teams, somebody hasn't leaked something somewhere as far as, like, okay, they sign a NIL deal every year, right? And they get to keep the money and stuff like this. I mean, I uh, that, that's kind of puzzling because if it happens everywhere, how – have we not heard any contracts? How have we not
1: seen a single contract? Right. I, I would expect that at some point someone will leak, leak something. I know that's a really bold take to, to, to have, really going out on a limb. But you're right, it is taking a, a long period of time. And it's such a secretive deal where they probably tell these kids, you mess this up for one, you mess it up for everybody type of thing. Um, and, and why they're trying to keep it on the download. Because, again, as we know with the NCAA, look, all this stuff, the the, the whole thing that we're talking yeah. about is not supposed to be oh, happening God. that way. I mean, even us just exactly. kind of having this, this conversation about it, it's not supposed to be that way. So we all know right. it, and the NCAA knows yeah. it too. But as long as you don't flaunt it, as we've talked about with many types of recruiting, as long as you don't flaunt something, NCAA doesn't come knocking. So, you know, if one, if someone wanted to really be out to get a school or, or something, they could in theory. But obviously, the school and the boosters are going to make everything in their power. They're gonna, I mean, they're going to be smart, successful business people. They're gonna try and have outs and try and have maybe even non-disclosures if they have to. I mean, they're going to, they're going to have a lot of uh, legal stuff that they're gonna try and back their things out of to where. They wouldn't be on the hook right. if if someone tried to expose them.
7: And and like I say, and I know what you say, non disclosure and all that stuff, but this like, there are so many people in this game, this nil game. Sure. I cannot i I cannot believe that we don't know anything about it. And like, hey, this is exactly what I expected when they brought this out. This is exactly what I expected, and that's why I would say are saying then. Is it all you gotta do now is pay your coach and pay your players. So all you need is a bunch of money, right? Now it doesn't guarantee titles that it'll guarantee uh, players, but I guess we talked about this earlier. Why not give give Nick Saban a hundred million dollars, right? And then let him bring the whole whole uh, Alabama football team over to your team, right? San Diego State is now everything, everybody's moved to Alabama. From Alabama to San Diego
1: State.
7: <laughs> I mean, it's possible.
1: Yeah, I mean, is, is, I, I don't know. I if, mean,
7: you could buy a whole football team.
1: I mean, you could try, but that would not be an investment that could, could last very long, I no, wouldn't but think. but I
7: mean, it would work. It's, it's the mouse that roared, I'm telling you. <laughs> hey, hey. <laughs> Hey guys, I appreciate y'all, appreciate y'all taking my call, but I mean this is really crazy. I mean it is a player, and and it's hard to believe that an 18-year-old uh, somebody called in earlier this year and said he's gonna boo at the game. They're not kids. They are they make more than he's ever gonna make, right? So and and I know it's not every one of them, but I mean these are professional athletes now, and they're 18 years old. I mean, nobody has pity on my daughter working at, uh, say, McDonald's or something like that when somebody yells at her, right? So it,
1: uh, <laughs> Why is the ice cream machine I mean, broken? It's
7: always yeah, exactly. broken. exactly. Why can't I get – I wanted extra fudge. You didn't do it right, you know, and stuff like that. So, I mean, uh, yeah, this is just it, – it's just crazy, and I feel like it is, you know, whoever's got the most money it is capable of winning right? Sure. I mean, like, hey, if Jimbo Fisher is not the right guy, get another guy, right? Just pay whoever's the best at the time and the best players and you can eventually win. I wonder what, and nobody has to tell you how much each NIL collective has, do
1: they? Not that I'm aware of. Uh, I think, I think some like to tout their figure. I think, some, I think some oh, give yeah. their figures because they could show you how much they have and, Allure recruits that way, but I don't think it's mandated. We're about out of time here, Jeff, so we will okay. have to... all right. Sorry.
7: All right, guys. I appreciate it, and, and I'll talk to you all
1: later on. Absolutely, Jeff. I we have. appreciate your phone call, as always. That is Jeff from Columbus joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Yeah, down to just about 60 seconds left in the show, but I'm sure that we will have more NIL conversations and recruiting conversations with our, our good friend Jeff from uh, Columbus. But yeah, the a Texas a m stuff. I mean, again, we, we talked about it a little bit earlier, but... Uh, there's just there's just no way to think that it's not a huge part. Uh, The biggest part of why A&M is still recruiting at a high level despite coming off of a 5-7 and season and a lot of controversy there. We're down to our final minute of the show time for a nightly TV guide.
0: Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's nightly TV guide. Sports Call's
1: nightly TV guide presented by White Claw, Hart Seltzer. Brooks, real quickly, what we got?
3: Uh, Movie picks for you tonight, 6 o'clock on Nickelodeon. It's become a staple, Hotel Transylvania. It's Adam Sandler, all his best friends in the anime. Uh, feature for the kids. Six on FX, your Marvel fix for the evening. It's Thor, the original one. So check it out. And then at seven o'clock on Sci-Fi, if you want a little more uh, action uh, than Thor, Rise of the Planet of the Apes is on tonight. At seven o'clock on a lot of of Sci-Fi. Too, it right? is a lot of action. Sports picks for you tonight. A little spare, so you got some NBA Summer League action for you tonight. 7 o'clock on ESPN Dose. It is, uh, Sandy, no, it's on ESPN actually. Uh, the San Antonio Spurs take on the Los Angeles Lakers. Follow that up at 9 o'clock on Miami, uh, with Miami Heat taking on the Sacramento Kings. And, of course, the Braves are back in action tonight, wrapping up three-game series in Cleveland against the Guardians at 6-10 on Valley Sports South. Mike Soroka. Getting the ball tonight on the mound for the Braves to wrap this series up. Braves have an off day tomorrow before heading to Tampa. Braves look to win the series tonight. And that's looking at a TV guide brought to you by our friends at White Claw, Hard Seltzer.
1: I'm looking forward to when Uncut Gems makes it because that's the one time you wouldn't say Adam Sandler and all of his friends. (laughs) So I'm looking forward to that.
3: Adam Sandler and some athletes he likes. Yes.
1: Uh, That, uh, again, is the TV guide presented by White Claw, Hard Seltzer. Brooks, thank you very much, sir. We'll see you again tomorrow. See ya. Cam, thank you for being on the show today. We'll see you again on Friday. Yes, sir. See you on Friday. And that will do it for the show today. Again, we want to thank Craig Russ, the president of Mid-Ohio Sports Car Course, and Brandon Hutchinson, the executive vice president and general manager of Atlanta Motor Speedway, for joining us on the show. And, of course, as always, we appreciate all of those that tuned in and called in. For Cam Barry and Brooks Childress and T- T.P. Hammock for running the board, my name is Ryan LeBoy. Have a great Wednesday night, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow.